will not marry another wild Master Bruce. Master Bruce! <laughs> I will not marry another wild Master Bruce. Master Bruce! <laughs> Is this it? <laughs> I will not marry another wine, Master Bruce. Master Bruce. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday night. It's 10 o'clock. It's eight days a geek. Don't believe it. How Just are what? we all doing? I hope you're all listening with your ears and not with your tears because we're going to be talking through <laughs> the dark night rises. I'm AJ Jenks and I'm here with... No. 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 What are we doing? <laughs> the dark night. We're, we're going to be... Doing the dark night. I'm AJ Jenks and I'm here with <laughs> Shambles Ben and Chris. Did you like that intro? <laughs> Do you only know that? <laughs> There's another bit which I literally said before we started recording this, and now I, I, I as I did that, I was like, I can't remember what, what the what other was bit it? is. I can't remember. Hence, he's, he's me doing that. that's why didn't they <laughs> no, do it before you were like, Oh, I won't bury another Batman, which isn't a lie. <laughs> No, it's, you know it, what? I won't is... bury another Wayne. Yeah, I know. That's the one you. Yeah, did. that is the line, though, isn't it? Right, both of you. Yeah. This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> you, listen, Jenks, this is another weak situation where you bigged <gasps> up the intro, okay, and then okay, uh, um, okay, you bigged up the intro a lot. The, the, you know, earlier on we were talking about the intro. You were like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm do the intro. It's gonna be great, great, cool." I didn't let's, do that. When I didn't big it up like that. No, to be fair, you were nonstop. Yeah, you weren't. You were dreadful. You said you had it yeah. planned. Yeah. I'd, you said, you know, just wait and see. Wait and you see. You left us. And then it was some awful racist yeah. nonsense. Yeah. What do they do? <laughs> <laughs> do a, doing Michael Caine ain't racist. Look, we've all seen Zulu, haven't we? Right, that's libelous. Moving on. That's <laughs> not racist either. I, I mean, that, I tell you what, that is a brilliant film. That is oh, an absolutely. That's fantastic. Incredible. Have, have you seen uh, Zulu Dawn? No. Not worth it. That seemed to get to the boys then. <laughs> a little, a little gap there, just breathing in the uh, the experience. That's latency, there. mate. Don't worry. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we're talking about the Dark Knight, but yeah, it probably is. <laughs> is that obvious? Because you weren't sure. <laughs> you announced it as. Uh, <laughs> he just said, "Probably is." So the thing I said about latency, which was hours yeah. ago. <laughs> okay, this is not going to work, is it? Oh, is is my uh, is my Wi-Fi kicking? Yeah, it might be, mate. It's fine, man. <laughs> okay, Jenks, you ready? We're gonna count one, two, three. I'm gonna go one, three, two. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, maybe that was maybe right. it was just you Hold guys. Just... <laughs> I think mine's bad a little bit because you went one, two, and then as you said three, Chris went. Oh, okay. On your three. Oh, oh, that is weird. This is a this is a real sort of mixed bag here, boys. Okay, I mean ever, everything's all right on my side now. Yeah, it's settled down for me now. It was just that one bit of <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> minutes after I'd said the the initial thing. That one little Good. moment. Fine, we'll survive. All right, I'll, I'll send her back in. Please. Have you boys seen Zulu Dawn? 
No. That's look, that wasn't the best bit to bring us back in on, was it? <laughs> um, What's it about? Um oh it's just it's just uh, uh You don't even know. It's the prequel. <laughs> it's the prequel to the film Zulu. I've seen the prequels, yeah. To to <laughs> Who's in it? Kane. Uh, actually I can't remember it. No, Michael Kane's not in Zulu Dawn. Um, so why are we bringing this out? <laughs> I don't know actually, but uh, everyone's talking about Michael Caine retiring from acting and stuff like that. It's 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 rubbish. I'm not retiring from acting. It's rubbish. It's not happening. And let's get over it. And he move might on. though, mightn't he? He is hey, eighty-eight. He's getting on. He is eighty-eight. But I mean, then again, he has just lo- he's past his best. He's lo- oh, I mean, you don't know. <laughs> to be fair though, most of his roles are kind of just. Standing there, sitting there, he's not doing like anything physical, is he? So it'd be all right. Well, what would you expect him what, to do? What, what do you want him to be doing? I don't you know, understand. He's not doing his own stunts, is he? He'd be all right. He probably is. I just miss all the is. back flips that Michael Caine used to do in yeah. his films. That's Backman flips. Actually, he did quite a few in Zulu Dawn. Have you boys <laughs> ever seen that? <laughs> oh, classic. Me. Well. We uh we we know you uh all loved the Hobbit, so thank you for listening to that. We've we've got all your. I've gone back and I've watched a couple <gasps> of bits of the Hobbit. You know, what do you mean a couple that. of bits? As in, like you know, um, movie clips. I don't YouTube like that. Channel does don't like that little scenes. <laughs> I want you to watch the full no. extended version, mate. I, I watched the extended scenes. That's not enough. Because I was like, oh, what are they going to be like? Yeah, but then I re- quickly realised that I can't put myself through <laughs> the whole film. I can't do it. I was so upset by what I saw. <laughs> it's just, it's just a difficult, it's a difficult thing. Can't wait for the remaining two installments. Oh, mate, Smaug extended. There's just characters missed out. So I mean, you've got to watch that. Characters. Yeah. Should we talk about prize glasses oh, quickly? We should, we should leave this. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like they're going to be the death of this part. Why? You, Do you agree? Because we used to be young and hip and. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, there's no illusion here. There's only jenks There left. is no illusion Just... amongst the listeners that we are getting on and we we're tired, okay. <laughs> Listen, the the day's going to come where the geeks will have to retire much like Michael Caine. And at 88 we won't be doing our stunts anymore. And these glasses will not be the reason of that. It's it's oh, they are the first uh, falling of pebbles for a landslide. I tell you that. I say it's a symptom. I don't think it's a nail in the coffin. <sighs> okay. Sorry, I had to swallow. Then <laughs> I came quite. I'm loud. Sorry, I, 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 I really, I really just backed off from that. Jax, <laughs> you're all right because you're, you know, wearing a baseball cap backwards. He's desperately trying to keep this pod. He's desperately trying to still look young. He's wearing a yeah. hat backwards. He's got a tash. After a fashion. Yeah. He's wearing a city city shirt. Is that what he's wearing? I wonder what that, I thought it was pajamas. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> hey, Jenks, where's all that gear gone? All the bongos yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. What's that nice pint of Guinness and you the had? drum kit. It's gone. That big lump has taken it. Ah. <laughs> Are they all butchers? Yeah. We're off topic. Yeah. He left you with nothing, didn't well, he? We, we are off topic. You'll notice in the corner of my room here, where's my thumb? There's my thumb. It looks um, like uh, Yoda is over there, <laughs> collapsed onto the floor. <laughs> I 
can almost see his ear. Yeah, on the right hand side. No, that's a little it's a little blanket. I got I got so frustrated with work today that I brought down a blanket and just had a lay down in my studio. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird because your bedroom is upstairs. Yeah. Well, it's because I just come. I, well, I could be asked to go upstairs because I got the blanket. Don't know why I did that. Weird. Dark anyway, <laughs> the dark night. Look, boys, let me take you through this. Go on. Because this is going to be a Chris one, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Chris. It might episode. be. You know. It might, it's been because ages I, since we've had a week's episode. Yeah. The last one was bloody Batman, I think. Crikey. But not Batman, Tim Burton. Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. Begins, so, did you mention? <laughs> <laughs> he gave to my banjo. <laughs> Batman Begins. Um, let me take you back to 2008. Oh, yeah. Okay. What were you boys doing in 2008? I was in year eight, mate, in school. Oh, my God. Jenks, you presumably were the same or... Thereabouts. I think it was was I the year above? Yeah, I think were you there? I feel like you were. Or am I the same as you, Pry? I was the youngest in my year, so you'd have been the same as me. Oh, big talk again, <laughs> bragging. Um, Braggadocious. Yeah, so what? I would what have been. That? I would have been year eight. I would have had all, all the bids. Ah, oh. yeah. Year eight was a big. Do you cool. not remember like the first year that women found you attractive? I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't got there yet. He's on his way. <laughs> year eight. I'm waiting, waiting year on Year eight was oh. my favourite year because my schools were weird. Okay, we had primary school, then secondary school, which only had three years. Oh my, that is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> then we had secondary school that only had three years. And then we had, then I went to a grammar school, which was three years after that. And so it was split up. Secondary school than, was only three years? Yeah, yeah. So um, first was five, then three, and then three more after that. Hang on. Hang on. Did you? Go have on. A, did Does you that make sense? A couple of years at school. <laughs> so wait, primary school was year one to five. Okay. Oh, okay. Ours was year one to six. All oh, right. No, we had six to eight, and then nine to eleven. No, that on earth did you go to school? Don't worry about that. Don't want to disclose that information. I had, res- I had reception, which was year one and two. Okay. Then yeah, reception pr- as well. Primary, primary school, well, or junior school. We called it junior school. Was year three. Where where were you living at this point? Birmingham, <sighs> Cornwall. Was some it Birmingham? Of it in Birmingham. Some of it in, oh, in Cornwall. <laughs> but junior confusing. school was year three, four, five, and six, and then secondary school was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh yeah, so mine was basically the same as that. Yeah. So what? What? But it was one to six was all the way through what primary. Freaky Hogwarts place? Did you go to Pry? <laughs> yeah, I, it was just different. Um, it was old fashioned, to be fair, because uh, they had houses as well. <laughs> you drank old fashioned. We had houses. We um, had houses like, as well. Yeah. So did we? Lovely. That's not unusual. Oh, I didn't know. I don't know. I'm just you know trying to. What were your make houses some sense called? This mess. Uh, Keller. I was in Keller. Keller. After Helen Keller. Um, <laughs> Who's Helen Keller? You are joking. Oh, is that? But who is it? You know Helen Keller, don't you? The the blind woman who, she you know, she uh, what? What, what? What? Who was a woman who was blind? She's no, I'm very famous. famous. Look uh-huh. up Helen Keller. Helen Keller, American author, disability rights act- advocate, political act- advocate, activist. My God, and lecturer. Yeah. Notable works: The Story of My Life. Jesus, it's, it's, uh, she's no. so famous. Why, what is this? Is she so famous? I've never heard of my life. She really is. Uh, we had Nightingale as well, of course. 
Okay, right, we know who Nightingale is. Jax, do you know who Keller is? Keenan and Keller? I know, now I know that. I know, I do recognise <laughs> the name, Sarah yeah, Keller. Helen Keller, she's in Family Guy. What about Penn and Teller? No, no, no. They do, they do a Helen Keller joke in Family <laughs> Guy. Weeks just loves double access. <laughs> That's all they need. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, and if it, moving on, year eight, I was going to say, was like Do you have Morecambe and Wise as well? Yeah, yeah. This was this was the best year for, in my opinion, because you were the oldest in secondary school, and it was also you're at that age where, sort of, a good age in your teens where you're making good friends and kind of discovering yourself, music and things like that. It was awesome. I loved Year Eight. Nice, Jenks. You also liked Year Eight. I mean, I did, but it wasn't. It wasn't because it was the it was the last year before we had to think about GCSEs. Yeah, remember yeah, that. that too. But we were all in like the oldest people in our school were like year thirteen, so we were we were still. I mean, oh, yeah, didn't have the same very young. But I remember. No, year eight is when my jawline started coming through, and I remember all the birds just turning around and being like, <laughs> "Ooh, ooh, that you look pretty." And I remember going, "Ooh, ooh, thank you. You, you're very right. pretty too." See, I, I and then we'd go to the disco and just dance to like, boom, 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 boom. I want you in my no, room. No, the poem told by oh. Baldrick. <laughs> <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> we danced to that. I didn't have this. Ex- yes, sir. I did, yes, sir. I did not have this experience. I was the smallest of anyone in our school. I was tiny. Just you still are, mate. I, I was uh, absolute tiny. And how so, how tall are you, Ben? Uh don't really know what am I like what am I like <laughs> five eight five eight or five nine maybe something like oh, that's that. not that's not that bad that's that's above average isn't it well it's about yeah uh, just average that is about the average yeah, it's isn't it? average height but you still feel small because I'm next to you too it's horrific especially when you're around big men like us yes <laughs> big sweaty Large hefty men. men like you two and this uh, should bring you in rip. perfectly to a big Batman, Chris. Let's yeah, go. Chris, let's go. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, mean, I won't lie to you. That, f- the whole year eight thing really <laughs> yeah, took me by surprise. Yeah, there's 15 minutes of absolute rubbish. Don't worry. Yeah. You if you want to cut that out, that out. I, I really don't mind. I don't think I can. Like, it's just good context, you know, because everyone wants to know about your boy's <laughs> secondary education. Oh, sorry. Primary or grammar school. What the bloody <laughs> right, hell it was. Stop taking <laughs> now, mate. Don't need any. Sorry. Was it a paid grammar school, was it? Were you one of no, them? No, it wasn't. No, grammar schools aren't paid. No, I don't paid. bloody know. There's private schools which are paid. That, oh god, they cost a fortune. No one's doing that. I don't. I don't. God, he sounds really angry yeah. about that. <laughs> he really tried to go as well, and he's like, oh, I just can't afford, I couldn't it. afford it. I was broke, mate. So so far, we've got to. Um, do you remember 2008? That's <laughs> yeah. So in 2008, were you both in year eight? No, oh, let's not start again. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, the logical following question is: Did you see this film? In the I cinema, yes. Oh. What did you? Why? weren't old enough. Wasn't old enough in uh, year eight. How old were you in year eight? Twelve. It wasn't a twelve, was it? Twelve A. I think this is, wasn't it? I remember sneaking in and watching this. I can tell you that I did have to. Um, oh, it is a twelve A. I did yeah. have to sneak in as well because uh, I looked incredibly young, as I said earlier on. Uh, well, of and course. So no one, and you still no do. one believed that I was my age, and so I had to kind of like worm my way in oh god if you'd have had those glasses there wouldn't have been a problem <laughs> Listen, right i got another story actually one more story oh, oh god jesus oh, great. i went to 
I went to go buy this booze yesterday, yeah, and uh, got to the self-checkout at Tesco, and they always asked me for ID. I was waiting for it, and so I popped on my glasses, <laughs> and I didn't shave either. I left this little bit here, because I thought, they're not going to ask me with that, are they? What bit's that, mate? Just... Yeah, what, whereabouts? Is it that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I left that on there, and I was like, you know what, this is, this is surefire, okay? If anything's going to get me through, it's these glasses, this beard. I say beard loosely, but um, yeah, <laughs> and I get there and it doesn't scan through. And I'm like, oh no, I can't even get to the scanning part. Scan, scan, <laughs> that's messing up. And I look on the bottom and it's scanning a QR code. I'm like, oh no. So I try to cover up the QR code and this looks really dodgy at this point. I look like I'm trying to like force my way into it. It doesn't work. And then so she comes over, she goes, everything all right? I'm like, yeah, just there. I can't get this through. She goes, all right, okay. There you are. Uh, got any ID? Oh dear. That's the one thing you didn't want, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I got my ID. I got it out. Now, I'm not going to show you my ID, but it looks like a photo of a 10-year-old. So there's nothing that looks legit about my ID or me buying that beer. It's horrible buying alcohol if you're me. So what did she say? She looked at it and was like a bit like... Fair enough. I don't think she really cared. She gave it to me anyway. Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought you were going to say that... She- to be fair, he does have the beer, so we knew what that story yeah, was. Yeah, I, I was going to get the he beer. He was going to say like, oh... Wait, so what was the actual point of this story then? Well, it was the f- we were talking about these glasses <laughs> and we were talking about... Um, were we talking about Brief- my glasses? Briefly. Or like for, for maybe... Yeah, we did mention it and then you launched into <laughs> sorry, a story. One second. He's in one of those moods, isn't he? <laughs> hey, listen, guys, Batman, I bet you're all excited, aren't you? Let's go, Chris. Bloody Ben Prime. I was excited, there, but... Jesus. We do- right, so you both snuck in to see this film because it was a 12A well, yeah. and you were both unbelievably And you were young. 29 at this point. And you're just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know, I was 18 You were in point. your first marriage, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't going well. Did you did and, you bring uh, a lady to watch this? I went and saw this in the cinema six times. Jesus, such a loser! This is six the most different I women ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to get through the group, you know. <laughs> they, they all wanted to see it. That's, they wouldn't all come together. It was a nightmare. That's horrible. Uh, they never do. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, no, look, I saw this film. Don't say look like we was... stopped it. <laughs> look. Enough of your nonsense. I saw this film and I thought it was so good that I saw it again five times. And every single time I thought it was as good. It never decreased. And it never has in my mind. In my mind, it's one of the best films ever made. And it stands the test of time. Well, it has made it on... Uh, it's in the top ten best films ever made. Yeah, it was in like the top three for a long, long time. Yeah. But a little bit of context, boys, which I'm sure you're both very aware oh, yeah. of. Obviously, Heath Ledger plays the Joker in this film. Mm. Heath Ledger tragically died. You what? A couple of months. I know it's <laughs> a real surprise. Just a couple of months before the film opened, uh, and so there was already a lot of like buzz around this film. Well, initially, like his casting was, uh, people were in uproar about it. Yeah, they because didn't of like, like Brokeback Mountain and Ten Things I Hate About You and all that, and they were just like, he just doesn't, he doesn't have the chops. That's what they said. They said he didn't have the chops. I don't know if they said that, but yeah, yeah. and they. Uh, after Jack Nicholson, they were like, well, he's just not going to be up to it, is he? He's not going to be up to it. So there was initially that. Then there was him dying just to, you know, really sweeten the part. Yeah, and then help. people were like, well, uh, in the end, they were absolutely blown away, as we know. And we'll talk more about it as we go through. But before this film came out, there was a huge Ferrari around it. 
Very, very exciting. I didn't know what to think. I obviously loved Batman Begins and was just, I think I was just ready for more of the same. I was ready for lots of lovely Christian Bale, lots of lovely Michael Caine, um, lots of lovely Katie Holmes. Oh, yeah. Very disappointed about that. Uh, very disappointed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was incredibly excited. And as I say, I saw it a million times over. So let's go through the film. Well, six. And let's talk it out. Something we didn't talk about last time. Uh, was the score, or maybe we mentioned it, we didn't talk about it particularly, but like Hans Zimmer's uh, score for this film, right? And for this series, very, very minimalist. Literally, his Batman theme is two notes. Wah, wah. Those two notes, whatever they are. That's good. And um, it's very, very atmospheric, very, very electronic. And uh, in, it's, like, it's quite iconic in its, its sparseness. And spoke to the, the sort of brand new style, you know, after the um, Tim Burton Batman films scored by whoever the hell they were scored by. Who were they scored by? I need to know. Burton did it himself on Garage Band. Yeah, it was <laughs> an early form of uh, Garage Band. Uh, oh, it was Danny Elfman. Okay, yeah, of course it was. We did know that. Um, completely different composer. Who's he talking to? Right? Is this? Is he think we're answering no this idea. stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. No clue. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, Danny Elfman. I just cut it out of the middleman here, doing the Gar research myself as I go along. <laughs> Gary Oldman did the score on this one. Gary Oldman, yeah, very talented man. Yeah, and Johnny Depp sang on it, and it was oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in this initial scene, we get this uh, view of Gotham City and the uh, strings adding instant suspense, because there's something going on, boys. And what it is, is a group of criminals wearing clown masks are breaking into a big bank, the Bank of Gotham, uh, where the mafia keeps all its money. So Gotham is obviously still bent. Oh. Just right then it sounded really bent. And uh, they're talking about these five guys in, in clown masks. To be fair, pretty freaky looking clown masks. Oh, it's like Slipknot. Dis it's what, mate? It's like Slipknot. It, well, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not quite that bad. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry for, for speaking. I won't do it That's again. That's all right, mate. That's all right. I'm, I'm talking to the computer as well. So we've, we've got a lot of people on this pod. <laughs> so there's five of them there. And there's saying, only two of uh, us. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they're, gonna, they're talking about whether to give their sixth member, the guy who planned it, the Joker, a cut of what they robbed. And they talk a little bit about him in there. They say that he wears war paint to scare people and stuff like that. And they start killing each other off because they want to get a larger cut. And uh, do you remember the bank manager says, um, uh, the criminals in this town used to believe in things. Honor, respect. You and your friends are dead. And it's all... <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that yeah, line? He says did. that in a really weird way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so essentially what they're doing is they're setting up the Joker figure long before we meet... Well, not long before we meet him, but like seemingly long before we meet him. Like there's going to be a big reveal later on. Um, and then the Joker reveals himself to be one of the... Uh, one of the clowns, and he says, no, no, I kill the bus driver, um, and reveals himself to the bank manager. And this reveal of Heath Ledger, had I, I can't remember if I'd, like, it's going back so long now, I can't remember if I'd seen him in makeup or in costume before, but do you remember the shot of it? It's shot from the bank manager's point of view, and he pulls off his mask, and it's, the camera is aiming upwards at him, like 45 degrees, and uh, it just sort of reveals his face in that way. Mm. Do you remember that, boys? Yeah, Do you remember yeah. what you thought when you saw him? They're terrifying, isn't it? This first glance is like, it, 
it's more terrifying than any other Joker we'd seen at this point. Mm. And it's it's the Definitely. scars, it's the the makeup, everything. Everything about this Joker was made to make you think fear immediately. And that's what's so different about Heath Ledger's Joker compared to the ones we'd seen previously who were yeah. sort of almost comical and a bit crude with the way that they had their their aesthetic made up. Yeah, definitely. Well, think about Cesar Romero, who was in the TV series. Obviously, the TV series was very camp, um, not played seriously at all. Uh, Jack Nicholson obviously is like an awesome actor and played a really cool character. But I don't know. There wasn't like that much of a transformation with Jack Nicholson. And yet, because of the quality of the actor, he was held up as like the standard. Mm. What did you think, Jenka Jenka? I always... Uh, Nicholson's still my favourite. Um. As much as I do like Heath, I uh, I do like him, but I also love Mark Hamill. Oh yeah, Ma- well, Mark Hamill's Joker is is like the voice of the Joker. You can't beat that. I think I feel like there's a lot of Mark Hamill in this performance as that, well, though. Don't you think? Yeah, it's kind of like you you you, you get to know that he's actually clinically insane with logic backed up behind him, which I think is is mm. why he's so scary. And it's like. When you listen to Mark Hamill, like because obviously Mark Hamill does all the, uh, like animation and mm. uh, comic book, uh, classic comic it's like book his second stuff. most famous like role, isn't yeah. it? Pretty much after Luke Skywalker. But because because he does the comic book stuff or he does like the radio stuff with it, he gets more time to actually uh, have some interesting lines with the Joker, which I think is why so many people like it with Mark Hamill because they feel so yeah. close to him. And understand the Joker more from him, and I think that's kind of what comes through here. It's not like the laugh every five seconds in this. It's like Chris Nolan's moving away a bit from the comic books and going right, okay, DC, you need to get dark and dirty. And what this is, two thousand and eight, so this is the same year that Iron Man came out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so absolutely. This is, but they weren't aware of like each other, were they? No, really? They, I mean. Well, Iron Man wasn't set up to be a winning kind of thing anyway. Iron Man was no. a Hail Mary anyway. After the failures Absolutely. that came before it, it's, it was the, this is the be all and end all. So yeah. I don't even think of this, like this series as DC particularly. It seems to exist outside of the, yeah. like all the universes, you know. Yeah. I th- it sort of jump-started everything. I think a lot of people think that, ever, like since watching the films that came after this, that this is just a completely different universe. And I think everyone agrees that this is a different universe anyway, like. It's Nolan's universe, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it, mm. it's it's not a DC universe. It it this is very much more planted on the ground. Uh, pretty much what Iron Man does, actually, ironically, which is, is funny. This is more realistic. It's like, okay, well, if we did have a Joker, it's because you know he's actual. He's been cut by this on on his uh, lips and stuff like that, and there's a reason. It's yeah, not just insanity, but he has an agenda. He has an actual plot where you can go. Oh, fair enough. That makes sense, actually. Mm. Rather than the uh, Jack Nicholson one, which is like, yes, okay, he laughs, he does all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you got a really good point. Actually, this is when um, these superhero movies started to detach themselves from the as much supernatural and try to tether it to what we mm. know Absolutely, and what yeah. we experience in everyday life. It, it tried to put it into our earth, so to speak. And so that yeah. was probably the biggest movement with with both, the, well, all of these films, actually. I think Nolan the started this. Man, 
Oh yeah, I think so too. Yeah. The, the world Batman that Begins was now. the big shift, but this is the this yeah. took over the world, you know. Mm. And like uh, Batman Begins could have been an experiment, but this was like, oh no, this is where we're going now. This is what we do. It's quite interesting that Chris Nolan was never well. I'm sure he was asked about, but he was never interested in in doing the films after this, after this trilogy. Why yeah. he didn't want to take on a much bigger role? I suppose because- he never, but if you remember, he only did Batman Begins in the first place because he wanted to get funding for Inception. Yeah, that's yeah, true. He so he was never that, yeah. a, he was, he's not a comic book director. He's an independent director with a massive budget, essentially. Imagine mm. a massive Nolan DC universe with all of uh, these characters up against a Marvel, like, no Joss Whedon around. Just Joss Whedon? No, uh, like none of the stupid stuff that's happened lately in the DC world, just a Nolan universe versus a Marvel universe would have been mm. a proper, oh you know, my I, God. I see a lot of similarities between Taika and Christopher Nolan, actually, mm. because with the way that Taika Waititi's doing his Marvel stuff at the moment, he's kind of like an independent creative. Definitely. And I felt like that was the same with uh, Nolan as well, he's like an independent, independent creative that has been given this power to to do what they want with mm. with the rights. Really cool, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's well, amazing. I mean, it's like like you said, this is this opening scene. Even though the Joker is called the Joker, this isn't based on comedy. Like mm. as as we go on, like his jokes are just so dark and brilliant, and he just uses them to get to his next step he isn't about just laughing every five seconds that's what's brilliant about this he just likes to torment and push people i love it it's true yeah it's it's amazing and it's it's so interesting obviously that this did kickstart this new superhero movement um batman begins really started off and this cemented it Mm. and then marvel took that up and dc sort of disappeared back behind the old ways. It's, it's so funny how the, how, you know, the other side of the coin was the one that really learned the lesson. Yeah. And DC still, all these years later, if not, was it 13 years later, they'd not caught up really. Mm-hmm. Like they've had a few, a few hits, mm-hmm. but in terms of the quality and in terms of, um, I don't know, the visual thing, it's just not there. Yeah, I think it's also yeah. the fact that this is a trilogy. This moves on through three films mm. and there's the same actors and, you know, you feel like this is all in the same place. I suppose whereas... he wasn't trying to set up a universe, was he? Like, that wasn't no. his thing. If you ever he try just... and do that, like, you're going to, you're going to, like, do you remember they tried to restart the Mummy franchise and the oh, goal was to turn yeah. it into a universe to, yeah. so like, rival Marvel? If that is your goal, the film is going to be awful. Because yeah. you're yeah, intentionally going to be leaving stuff out. Exactly. The thing is here is they actually unintentionally made a universe, I, th- I think, with Nolan. Because mm. people consider it its own little slice of DC. And they could have built on this a lot more. Yeah. They could have used this as their basis for their universe. Uh, much like how Marvel did with Iron Man. Had a hit with Iron Man. Okay, let's use this to build our own world. But they just didn't. They're just like, ah, you know, we'll just loosely see it in the same sort of view. But it's not, it's just left behind. Yeah. It's baffling. It's funny, isn't that's it? The, that's, that's the interesting thing, though. It's like, even if they brought back Scarecrow now, 
or Catwoman or Bane or the Joker. Well, they have tried to bring back the Joker, which I suppose we'll talk about later on. How yeah. That's all gone down. But like Scarecrow is just like, nah, I'm always going to lean towards the darker version. And I imagine if they brought them back now, it just, it would be in this weird DC universe that we're in now where it's like, is this good or is this rubbish? I really don't know mm. because I'm being shoved in the face with CGI and names. Although, big actors. We do have the new Batman trailer arriving either today or tomorrow. Yeah, I've seen so a few uh, little shots from it. Yeah. We do also have the the new Suicide Squad, which yeah. is meant to be really good. All I've heard from people that have seen it that I know, they said it's incredible. Oh, really? So. I'm waiting to well, ha- have, give my verdict. Have you boys watched the Justice League uh, yeah. extended cut? That is fantastic. I have not. It, it, it's great. It, it, it's not... Oh, oh come sorry, on. It's not, <laughs> it's not at this level. No, but uh, it, it is much better. It is much better, but, but again, to try and compare that with this trilogy and, and this film, it's like they're, they're polar mm. opposite. And it, it goes to show that they have tried to almost like intentionally not take inspiration from this trilogy, which seems so strange to me. Well, here's a question for you both, boys. Please. Do you think this is the studios or it's the directors? What you mean? Who that are having more that have that are having more of an impact on where we are today when we look back on? I would suggest say a that trilogy it's the, like this. It's the studios because who are the directors well, it's of? Got it. Like, who have we had? No one of the stature of Christopher Nolan. Well, like I said, we had Joss Whedon in both DC and yeah, Marvel. true, true. We had, we had Snyder, who did the, the latest one, obviously. I think the buck stops with Warner, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It, the buck stops! It, <laughs> it does. Like, let's be honest. It's them who have the final say. Mm. And they're having creative control that arcs over all of these things. So, but I don't know, again, because they also had creative control over this trilogy. Well, what was the DC... What, I'm not sure if they did. Uh, DC film came out straight after this. What DC film after that? I have the faintest idea. Was it... Is it Man of Steel that came out after oh, this? Yeah, oh, yeah, it could maybe. have been. Yeah. Which was not a, not a million miles away in terms of tone. But... I mean, I think it wasn't a million miles away because they got the casting right and it had been years and years since we'd seen a proper Superman mm, film. Yeah, true. It's difficult to do a Superman film anyway. Yeah. Really would tough you, character Would you say as well for DC that recasting is also made a bit of a... Is, is kind of stumps the audience, with DC especially, because all they seem to do is recast? Probably. They chuck the whole the thing same out, time. But mm. but at the same time, it's often how studios work. It's quite rare that you manage to lock down the same actors over and over again for the amount of time that Marvel have. Mm. I mean, it's only because of their power and their stature they've managed mm. to maintain these actors for long enough. Because let's be honest, actors, they want to do lots of different things. That's why they become actors, because they want to do different types of things yeah. to fill their creativity. And so trying to get someone to stay into a role for 13 years is quite a difficult time. I suppose as well that like Iron Man hadn't really been done like to the same level. Captain America hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. So they are originating those roles in a way. Whereas Batman obviously has yeah. been done very famously yeah. by a lot of actors. 
like Bond but this is, has been done this by is a lot the, of actors. This is the first time that Batman has been played by the same actor in three films. Uh, yeah, true, true. I think the only person that has ever really kind of done that is Adam West. Yeah, oh, you can't yeah, compare back that. Yeah, really, TV. But, but like this is... Adam West. Like a lot of people just see Christian Bale as Batman and other people have played Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's just he's just been in that seat for such a long time. So do you think do you think an audience have a weird reaction with that? I know I do, but I don't know about you boys. When you like see, I mean, what in the past twenty years, <clears throat> and coming up to the next Batman film, we would have had that's three Batmans that we've had. Batman, and please. One Batman, and we've had one, two, three, four, five, six. This will be the seventh Batman film. <laughs> Or mm. had Batman in it, actually eight. I mean, eight films in twenty years with three different yeah. people playing Batman. That's the difficult thing that's is that Batman the audience. Has, yeah, Batman's become an IP, much like Doctor Who. Yeah, and so they kind of feel that they have the right to continue to change up mm. the the actors because they see it as a as an IP. It's like, hey, you know, it's not considered the same as Iron Man, as as you said, Iron Man wasn't ever focused upon before uh, Robert Downey Jr. took to him. You know, we had these TV adaptations of Thor and mm. Hulk that uh, that were absolutely awful, but at the same time, they focused on these characters that they could make in with what they had, with the technology they had. Iron Man, they're like, forget yeah. it. You know, it's going to be ridiculous. So do you think, then, that <clears throat> audiences also lean towards Marvel more because when they think of Iron Man, they think of Robert Downey Jr. at the same time. Oh, they are linked together. 100%. I think that's true. But when, so they have that massive relationship, not just with the character, but also with the actor. Whenever you see the actor, he's always talking about that part. Same with Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, all of the Chris's. Maybe not Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I think there are a couple who are slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. Because she is but already so, a very big actor. But someone like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And and Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that, they have, the audience just have this massive bond with them. I think that is true. I think yeah. people do have a personal relationship with the actors as well. Uh, the, one that crossed my mind is um, Hulk, which of course has been recast yeah. in films quite a lot. Uh, so we've had three Hulks now, haven't we, on the big screen? So we yeah. had Eric Banner, wow. um, who was it? Uh, Edward Norton, and then obviously Edward Ruffalo. Norton, yeah. So it's like, oh, actually, yeah, okay. I don't think of Ruffalo and I don't think like I th- obviously, I think he's one I, one of my favorite actors. He's wonderful, great guy, mm. really part of the Marvel fraternity. But and that's, I do associate him with Hulk. Obviously, I do. But I it's do. not quite the same because it's not quite this. It's not. It's like if they recast Iron Man now, I'd be like, "Well, you, you should retire it." Like yeah. in my head, it's like that's exactly. it. It's done. You know exactly. That's absolutely. The, that's the thing, and I think that's why. A lot of people, like when they look at this, they look at this trilogy, especially this film as well. Yep. <clears throat> finding out that, I mean, this this is about three generations worth of people that see Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah. And nothing else, especially as he died, nothing else can touch it and shouldn't ever touch it because, pers- like, a lot of people find it disrespectful. Yeah. It's like when people found out that Jared Leto was doing the Joker, everyone was the same as how you were then, Chris, is that, no, he he got don't, a lot of heat for that. Yeah. Don't bring back the Joker. Leave the Joker yeah. alone. Yeah, it's true. I it was. I was and then they saw his performance, 
<laughs> they saw his <laughs> performance and thought, see, we were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a bold move, let's be honest. It was a bold move. Yeah, well, I actually really like Jared Leto before all of this. Mm, I he's a, really like amazing, isn't he? Is. He's great. Yeah. He's really, really talented. He's done so many different things. And so I was actually quite excited, then saw it. It changed everything for me. I no longer wanted wow. to listen to the music that he created. And it, it's had a huge impact. So I guess that does show that there is a connection there with there the actor and, and the character. And that's a bit scary, isn't it? Crikey. It is. Why does he say it like but that? It's, it, no, but it's just, good, though, because it raises a... the stakes for everything, you know. So when you're that's rewarded that, for that's it, the thing. like when we saw Endgame, and we were like, oh, this is just wonderful because we were so invested in iron man and also in robert downey jr and we were like and we could look at his career pre-2008 before we got that part and we're like look at him now look at the the years that he's given us and look at the years that he's had and how he's redeemed himself and it's like the perfect story behind the scenes and on camera Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and i think i think that's exactly now the problem with dc that they started themselves off with this film, which was probably the most famous one out of the three. Definitely, yeah. But they had this beautiful trilogy, and then they went off on a completely different route, completely Mm. new casting. And it's like Robert Patterson's doing Batman. No one's thinking of Batman. Everyone's thinking of, it's Robert Patterson. Yeah, it's true. We've seen him in this. He was in Harry Potter. He was in Twilight. He did all these films. He's a really good actor. No one's thinking, oh, I can't wait to see another Batman film. I can't wait to see what Batman's doing this time. They're thinking, (laughs) oh, my God, it's Robert Patterson. How's he going to see up to this time? (laughs) They're going to think, how's he going to do the voice? What's he going to look like in the suit? All that kind of stuff. No one cares about the character. Because they just haven't had that bond. And we probably won't get that bond with Robert Patterson unless DC... Bond. Unless DC, <laughs> unless DC turn around and make a massive deal with Robert Patterson and go, right, okay, you've got a 10-year deal. We're going to do seven movies. Here we go. Mm. And Batman's going to be just like Iron Man. You're going to have a massive bond with the audience. Everyone's going to love you and want to know exactly what's going on with this character. Yeah, it's yeah, true. But I don't know what the solution is to that. And the, <clears throat> no, I don't. I, I think that's the same thing. What? <clears throat> The solution is, is that they're trying to build themselves a universe and then they recast every five seconds. You can't build a universe because, as we've now ex- talked about it, audience don't just connect to the character, they connect to the actor as well. So do you think that they should just cast an unknown who will then see like the franchise through for 15 years for Batman? Is that the solution? I think they need to sit down and cast sit down. a batch of... <laughs> And cast a batch of act, a, a big batch of a actors. Batch of actors. <laughs> a, a herd, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and sit down. And I think unknowns would be Stop better. Stop sitting down. Sit, <laughs> and go, right, okay, we're going to make a fully fledged universe. We want to go from this point to this point. We're going to take everyone on a journey and it's going to be great. Let's do it. Let's sign you no. all up. Bada bing, bada boom, let's go. I completely agree. I think what they've tried to do is mirror the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they didn't want to put the time in to have the mm. the longevity of the story that we've had with the MCU. So we're being dropped into these characters' lives and kind of expected to have a relationship with with their character and know what their character is, but we don't. We don't really care about them. Yeah, he is right. Marvel so also had the we, element of surprise, we've actually, I suppose. We've done it. 
Well, we've solved it. That's it. We've, That's it. Like, yeah. We've done it together. <laughs> it's only going to cost them like a billion dollars to like even get the whole thing started. Don't worry about that. Okay, fine. Fine. <coughs> the only Sorry. studio that could bloody afford right. it is Marvel. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Marvel can only afford it because they took this risk. I know. Look, what can we do? What can we do? I mean, they didn't actively take this risk, let's be honest. They just... No. Accident. No, we shouldn't do that. Jenks is making yeah. signals at me. It's not good. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a complete signal. Uh, complete signal? Complete accident. <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> um, Let me get Favreau on the phone. Get Favreau on. Come on. Johnny. No, not even he can save it. Sorry, lads. <laughs> it's very difficult because, as we said, you know, Marvel had access to these characters, which are excellent, and no one had any attachment to. Batman is a character that everyone has got some level of attachment to. Even my three-year-old son has an attachment to Batman now, thanks to Ben Pryor. To Batman. To yeah. Batman. Yeah, exactly. And if he sees him on screen, he's going to be like, I know who that is. If he saw you Iron Man on screen, he'd be like... Pfft. Yeah, I actually had that well, thought that when, when getting that for, for him, because I thought, will he know Batman? And I just thought, well, everyone knows Batman. They'll love Batman. He'll love Batman. It'll be great. And... Yeah, just that easy connection. <laughs> and he turned around and went, Get that right. thing away from me! <laughs> I hate it! <laughs> That's the Batmobile, all right? Like I didn't get him a drum set, crikey. Yeah, yeah. And he hates those, famously. <laughs> but everyone knows that, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Go on, Chris, take us. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, all of that is very interesting, right? And it's, it is fascinating. How do we get onto that? I don't even know. Oh, we were talking about Heath Ledger, weren't we? Yeah. About Heath, good old Heath. Um, did you boys see Brokeback Mountain out of interest? Did you see it before or have you seen <laughs> it since? Here he goes, here he goes. <laughs> oh, he's pushing his agenda, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always trying to get us to watch it, aren't you? Jake, you've I seen saw, it. I saw it because I thought it was just like a cowboy film and I really like Westerns. Liar. You had a big surprise coming, didn't you? <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, this is, these two are very close friends, aren't they? This is nice. And then suddenly... Seeing the shadows on the tent. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the shadows are playing. Yeah, yeah, nice. it was great. Yeah, seeing great the shadows soundtrack. in the tent, I was like, oh, this is... Oh, oh, oh. Yep. To be fair, though, it is... <laughs> it, I, I don't care what people say. It's a bloody good film. Everyone <laughs> says it's a good film. What are you talking about? I don't <laughs> care what you it? say, Mum. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm saying I like it too. I don't care. <laughs> I like it. Pry, have you seen it? I haven't. I'll be honest. I oh, mate, you've it got is, to see that film. It is a great film. Shall I watch it tonight? Okay, yeah. Are you? It's already 10 to 11. That'd be all right. Okay, fine. It's beautiful. And the score is stunning. Nice. Yeah. But the only reason I bring it up butts. is I have a lot of butts in that film. <laughs> My God. Very, very prominent. Uh, I hadn't seen it before this, but it, obviously it was on everyone's... Um, lips when they were thinking about Heath Ledger. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> Unfortunate. A real shame. I'll do that again. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to stick with it. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with what I said. That's a regular expression. You got red of God. Kill. Oh, beach root boy over there. <laughs> that one really, that, that that really took me by surprise. Yeah, I sort of saw That's it. I saw it coming in my mind's eye. 
Wait, what? Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh god. You can't look. Stop while you're ready. You can't look. Why did you even say that? Oh god. You can't look. Don't look, boys. What I was saying is you can't talk about normal things when you've just referenced that film because it becomes ridiculously schoolboyish. Anything you say. Right. Right. It's going to be fine. That's what people were thinking of because that was most recently what Heath Ledger had done famously. <laughs> and obviously because of the time, the mid-2000s. Everyone was at it, weren't they? Ev- no, no. Everyone was dead against it. They were all like, this is dreadful. It's corrupting our children. They're all going to hell because it was still a ridiculous world back then. Anyway. Oh, God. That- Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so we joined the Joker. We haven't and even started I, the film. No, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. And his first line is, as the Joker, he says, I believe that what doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. And oh, from this moment life. on, I am just like, yes. Completely take it. Like, I was just absorbed by his performance. I thought it was wonderful. And the most important thing for me, I believed every single word that the man said. Like, I never mm-hmm. doubted for a second that you know, he was speaking truth. Like there's no acting involved mm. at all that you can see. It's just like, it's, he's living it. He's not, it's nothing technical about it at all. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we, we see him there and he puts that grenade in the bank manager's um, mouth. Do you remember this bank manager who comes out with a shotgun, by yeah. the way? Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. And to be fair, he, he does pretty well. Like he eventually gets gunned down by them, but um, he takes out a couple of them. And yeah, he sticks this grenade in the manager's mouth. And then as he drives away, this massive school bus, which he's uh, crashed through the wall, um, the pin of it is attached to the school bus via a cord and it gets pulled out. And then as it turns out, it's a gas grenade. It's not a, you know, explosive grenade. Mm. So, uh, you know, the film is, is immediately telling us to expect the unexpected uh, and not to, not to judge the book by its cover. Essentially, we've had mm. two big indications for that straight away the Joker being one of his own henchmen and this bus uh, and the grenade in the mouth whole thing. Anyway, the Joker escapes, takes all the cash. Hang on. Ben Pryor's escaped. <laughs> What's he got to? Sorry, he's watching Brokeback Mountain. He's just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well. I'm just loading it up on the iPad. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, this is such a good opening though. It's unbelievable. It reminded opening. me of like... It, a bit of a Bond opening, like it's just yeah, like, it's a heist, isn't it? Yeah, it was like an absolute psychopath kicking off, and then yeah. suddenly there we go. We just have this big opening credits. Well, not opening credits scene, but big opening scene. It's just like oh, oh, I'm in the mood for this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pry, how did you feel after this? Uh, it was so cool. I love the way that they didn't have. A traditional explosion they wanted to keep it joker style with the the laughing gas that came out mm. so they're staying true to the character but at the same time it's it's so clever i mean who came up with the idea of attaching chris nolan a, it, yeah i mean it was literally yeah, chris nolan right. yeah and his brother attaching a, a cord to the to the bumper of a school bus and having that pull the pin out i mean i don't think it would have gone as pretty as that in real life but still really really cool big opening We've been introduced to our main villain in a way that isn't cringy, forceful, or anything that other films have done with the and, Joker. And what's lovely is they haven't taken ages to to kind no. of make you wait for the villain or anything like that. No. Like a, 
at first you think, oh, okay, well, it's like in a horror film. You see the monster straight away and you're like, oh, that's all right. You know, like in Quiet Place, you see the monster pretty much in that mm. first scene where it kills the kid and you're like, oh, my God. And you realize it's not actually about what the monster looks like or anything like that. It's what it represents. It's very true. And that's what is great about this. It's what it's, the Joker represents. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we did have that tiny tease at the beginning where they were talking about the Joker. But as it turns out, he was there the whole time, which I, yeah. I just love. I think it's fabulous. And like it, it's it's so easy to sort of artificially elevate the villain. Um, and then like, do you remember Snoke? Oh, that's right. Of course yeah. we do, because it was the most disappointing thing anyone's ever exactly. come across. A waste of time. This is the opposite yeah. of that. The Joker is getting his hands dirty straight away. He is absolutely in charge. He is the mastermind. He's outwitted all of his henchmen. He's got all these people to do the jobs, had them all kill each other off, and then he kills the last one, and he gets away with all of the money. I mean, it's, he's an absolute yeah. genius. An absolute genius, ruthless. Um, it just it sets him up in like the perfect way, as far as I can yeah. tell. Very, very exciting. Completely. Um, but we move on. We move on to our next scene, and it's uh, the mayor being interviewed about cleaning up the city. Like he's sworn that he's going to clean up the city and get rid of all the criminals and all this sort of stuff. And then the interviewer asks him about Batman and what the deal is with him, and you know, talking about vigilanteism essentially, and saying that you know, if we've got this guy running around taking on criminals on his own, where's it going to end, etc. Uh, and then we see our old friend Gary Oldman, Sirius Black, pops up. And he's Brilliant. talking with uh, his colleague Ramirez, talking about Batman. And uh, she's like, oh, will Batman be showing up? He's like, well, I don't know. You know, it's hopefully he's busy off. He's like, he's doing stuff, doing the stuff that he does. Gordon obviously is very much behind Batman. Um, and yeah, Gordon is, is shining the bat signal into the sky. And he's, what are you chuckling at, Beetroot? Just leave it. Oh, no. What was it? What did I say? Just, he's just went... Gordon's very much behind Batman. That took him. <laughs> That's I real broke back stuff. Mood. No, no <laughs> plain broke back. All right, it really set this up. But hey, yeah, I was going to oh. say not in not in schoolboy fashion like Jenks. I was going to say, go on. Is another example of when you think of Commissioner Gordon, it is, it's um, Gary Oldman, hundred percent, and true. he is just he is that character. So cool. Exactly. Do you remember um, Commissioner Gordon? Same with, Alf same with Alfred. Michael Caine, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, do you remember the Commissioner Gordon from uh, the previous Batman films? No. You see, I, I do remember him, and he's sort of like the classic, uh, like Watson, like Sherlock Holmes Watson. Like oh, he's, yeah. Uh, overweight, and he's bumbling. He doesn't really know what he's doing. It's like he's just a bit of a waste of space, but he's a mate of Val Kilmer's, and it's like, ugh. You know, a pointless throwaway character in there for a cheap laugh, basically. Yeah. Whereas here, Gary Oldman. I know. The casting. But that's the it's, clout of uh, bloody Christopher Nolan, you know. It is. He's turned, as you say, this this sort of like boring detective character into one of the most interesting sort yeah. of... Um, I can't disrespect him as saying a, a, a side character because he is so much a focal point in these films that he's yeah he's incredible mm. so good big fan i suppose that's that is a, another thing about these films the uh, the casting straight away is several leagues above where it was in the in the previous incarnate like i mean if you think about it, immediately before batman begins was batman and robin clooney was not as big a name as he is now obviously um he was like 
he'd done some good stuff. Like he just finished on, uh, uh, what was he on? ER, that was it. Done yeah, ER and he was yeah. like, he was still the youthful, handsome, charming guy. And everyone was like, oh, it'd be great. Arnie is the villain. Um, Uma Thurman was in there. Michael Goff, who was Alfred, to be fair, very good Alfred. Like the classic Alfred. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the fondest memories of those films. But, I liked Uma Thurman as well as uh, Poison Ivy. I thought, yeah, she was, she was good, but a bit probably a bit wasted. Yeah, you know, I suppose it's the combination of the quality of the script and the direction, and then the actor as well to elevate it even more. Yeah, but like when you've got I, Christian Bale, um, Heath Ledger, Gary Oldman, Michael Caine, um, Morgan Freeman. It's like, no. God, yeah. Morgan Another point Freeman, to mention yeah. is that these films are the first ones that step away from Robin being a character. Yeah, true. I only realised when you said it then that, yeah, but Robin has been with Batman forever. It's true. I mean, they've always been a pair. But it's a and real this, statement, um, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And Nolan was like, now nah, this is going to be dark. We don't need a Robin yeah. for this. And, and of course, we get it hinted I mean, at in the third film. Yeah, we do. But um, yeah, we don't get anything. We don't get any, any serious Robin stuff at all. I think it was considered at one point, but he just it just it didn't work in his world. Essentially, is what he thought. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, uh, Gordon is shining the bat signal into the sky, and Ramirez says, "Oh, do you, yeah. Do you think he's gonna uh, make an appearance tonight?" And he says, "Oh, he often doesn't, but he likes reminding people that he's out there." And she says, "Oh, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he come?" And he says, "Oh, because hopefully he's busy." It's all ve- like they're what they're doing is they're like they're building up Batman in the way that we would expect them to build up the villain, yeah. and we've already seen Batman. But the reason is because again we've got this um, rug pull <laughs> approaching, which is very exciting. And if you remember, boys, the next scene is this uh, in this um, multi-story car park with this Chechnyan drug dealer. And do you remember they bring dogs with them because they can yeah. see the bat signal in the sky, and he literally says, "That's why we bring dogs." And uh, they're doing this massive, massive deal. And these impersonators of Batman rock up and they've all got guns and stuff. So it's like, you know, obviously they know, we know that they're not Batman straight away. But um, mm. the, it, it's incredible. The, uh, this is something that took me completely by surprise at the time. And it, it, it's one of those things where because we've seen Batman in this real life way, everyone has thought oh, maybe I could do that, you know? Like, everyone has that thought. They're like, oh, what would it take to be Batman? I remember there was a thing going around at the time where they worked out the money involved in becoming Batman, however much it was. It was like one and a half million or something. It wasn't as much as you would think. Um, And yeah, so all of these people rock up and the Scarecrow is there as well, Jenks' favourite. Old uh, Killian is there and he sends out the fear-inducing drug the same way that he always used to. And then the Batmobile, the actual tumbler, arrives on the scene and uh, it scares away the mobsters, essentially. And um, Batman comes out and knocks out one of the imitators with his own gun. And he gets bitten at this point by the Rottweilers, which is no good at all. Mm. And do you remember this awesome line? Obviously, we've got uh, Christian Bale has arrived on the scene, which is great. And one of the Batman impersonators is like, I want to help you. Let me help you. And Batman says, no, I don't need any help. And he says, uh, what's the difference between you and me? And Batman says, I'm not wearing hockey pads. It's a great line. Yeah. As he's slipping back into the tumbler, it's very, very, very slick stuff. Uh, uh, it's the yeah. cool moment, the one-liner cool moment yeah. from Batman. But also this 
um, reminds me of this whole scene. I think at a similar time, a game came out actually called Gotham City Imposters. Do you ever play it? Mm. No, I remember it coming uh, out, but no, I never actually played it. It was my, f- it was like one of my favorite games. It was like brilliant, really good, and it's about these normal people who dress up like Batman mm. and like like the Joker and fight out in the streets when Batman and the Joker aren't around, so they can kind of live out their dreams in that sense, and. I love the fact that this, these characters, these small characters birthed a whole game and like everything yeah. like that is inspired from this one film. And that scene in particular is just awesome. Love it. It's a really cool, like, it's a really cool scene and it does reinforce Batman in a completely different way because there are literally people out there impersonating him. And it's, it's obviously a follow on from the previous scene where they're talking about vigilanteism and uh, what, what the next logical step is, which is that everyone would be like, oh, well, if he can do it, then I can too. Like, it's a very mature way of looking at it straight away. Mm. And it's not something that we've seen before in Batman films, people impersonating him. And again, it's, yeah. it reinforces the difference between actual Batman and someone who just puts on a costume and like, tries to do what Batman does, you know? Yeah. Very exciting. But yeah, we're like 10 minutes into the film and this is the first time that we see Batman. Obviously, it doesn't compare mm. to Batman Begins where you know, he didn't appear for an hour through, uh, an hour into the film. But literally because oh, yeah. the character didn't exist. So there you go. It's a different thing. Chinks, what do you think? Yeah, loved it. <laughs> Pretty much. I <laughs> mean, Prime pr- 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 actually said what I was going to say. Oh, what? Gotham City Imposters? No, no, no. The bit before that. All right. Um, you both kind of said it. It, it. It's again, it's like it, I, I like um, comic book stuff in a natural world that's understandable and you can relate to it. Mm. And if yeah. you can get away with that, then you, you've got me. So this this is what would happen. I think there was something like a couple of years ago of a guy trying to be Batman yeah. or something oh, really? like this. Or, yeah, he he wanted he like started dressing up as Batman and going out on the streets and and stuff. Like, I heard that he was arrested though um, for assault. Actually, oh god, is a yeah. It, it it it's one of those things again that that fine line with. What what are you actually doing here? Are you saving yeah. people, or are you just beating people up in the streets dressed in spandex? You know, you've got to really have that. And I guess that's what the point that they're making at this uh, this talking um, just before this scene happens mm. is what is Batman actually doing? And that's a great way to start this film. What is Batman doing? Is he keeping the streets safe, or is he filling up? hospitals with these people who he's leaving behind on the streets that are bloody and beaten you know a real mm. sort of thing to think about already it is and it, mm. it it really um it does bring the film in on another level like obviously the first film introduced to us this batman this mature universe um this real world universe you know and michael kane says um like he would have thought that he was mad for coming up with this plan except that he had this specific goal in mind and that that sort of mm. the the moral questions still are still there very much so even more so in this film it's like it is it's the next logical step it would have been so easy to do basically the same film again in terms of uh the depth of storytelling but here within like the first 10 minutes we've got this so many massive ideas that i don't think we've ever seen in superhero films before and I find it incredibly exciting. It's just like, it's the depth of the whole thing. It's just, it's just brilliant. Like any one of these ideas could be expanded upon and made into a film. And Christopher Nolan has got all these threads running through to make this one like ultra film. I find mm-hmm. it uh, just awesome. 
Very exciting. Completely agree. Really exciting, mate. Um, but next thing we've got, they're looking at footage of the Joker robbing the bank. Batman turns up. He shows him the picture of the Joker. I always remember this picture as well because he looks like it's old old school CCTV, and he he just looks terrifying, you know. And they mm. say, "What's he hiding under that makeup?" Uh, all these questions about who the Joker is, and we never find out because obviously the Joker gives us stories, but it gives us like three different stories. So we don't know what he's about. It's almost not even important what what he's all about in the end. It's it's you know it's that classic thing of um, that Batman says in the first film. Uh, it's not who I am on the inside; it's what I do that defines me. Yeah. This time, it's extended to the villain, like he's defined by his mm. actions in this film, which are just wild. It's completely irrelevant who he is at all. Um, but they irradiated the money that was stolen so that they could trace it, and. Um, Batman is like, yeah, fine, whatever. But we actually, we the mob is the problem here. It's the Joker is one man. The mob is the like the big problem in Gotham, and we need to um, focus on them and work out what on earth we're going to do about them. Anyway, Batman was bitten by these dogs. Big issue. Another real world issue. He's patching up his wounds. Michael Caine comes down. Oh, and they're in this awesome like underground base under the yeah. uh, shipping containers. Do you remember this? Because yeah. of course mm-hmm. Wayne Manor has been destroyed. And they still haven't rebuilt it. I I thought this was so incredibly cool. I absolutely loved it. I love the the reality of them not having Wayne Manor back and the Batcave back just like that. I love that. Yeah, how how easy would it have been for them oh. to just go, oh, well, let's say that he rebuilt Wayne Manor yeah. and then just have them in there. They could have easily done that. But the fact that they didn't is what makes this so interesting. Yeah. We've now got a Batman without a Batcave. Now this is already he's on the back foot. And so this is a great way to start a film when he's he's injured both in his uh, arsenal, but also physically, of course, from what we've seen. So great start. Yeah, so cool. Such an awesome place. A great excuse to have this really cool, really different Batman base, like HQ, like Lair, you know. <coughs> Beetroot Boy's off again. <laughs> what is going What's on with you? Oh, he just said Arsenal. <laughs> 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 I can't. This is getting right now. Wow. I just kicked out. What is wrong with me tonight? Oh, my. Look, tell us what you thought about Batman's lair. I was so into that then, and then he just said that word, and like, (laughs) just unbelievable. What do you think Um, about Batman's deep lair? Oh, come on. Okay. That's that's too much. His gaping lair. What do you think? Um, I always love the scenes between Christian Bale and Michael Caine. I think they're fantastic. They work so well together. Mm, They do. Um, I, I, they've just got a, a lovely relationship as actors as well. You know, you, obviously, yeah, Christian Bale was just wondering what Ben's. Sorry, mate. <laughs> you know what he's <laughs> up to. He was Don't mind me. Doing with it. Um, have you seen the interview where uh, Michael Caine is asked about Christian Bale kicking off on set? Give us a little blast, go on, mate. Yeah, come on. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that was so unexpected. It's Graham Norton that kind of like, okay. oh, no, I can't do that one. Uh, no, it's Graham Norton that asks him, like, what what do you think about uh, Christian Bale kicking off on set and stuff like that? And Michael Caine goes, in, in my opinion, it's understandable. It's understandable. Us as actors, you know, we want to uh, make this the best possible th- film, you know, and a lot of money has been pushed into it. And uh, I think that... Uh, I understand where Christian's coming from here. He's very stressed. He's playing a, a lead in a massive franchise, and 
Oh, that was just dreadful. I hate myself. That's good, mate. It's great. You're doing really well. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty much just backing him up to the hilt and he was just saying how good their relationship was as actors because obviously Christian asked him so much and asked for so much advice from Michael Caine mm. like any actor he would. would. Yeah. Um, and Michael Caine was just like, he led the whole thing through, especially those films. And it's just... They have a lovely relationship. So knowing that and sit, then seeing that on screen, them working together, mm. you can see those kind of sparks of like Christian Bale's like youth going, oh my God, I'm working with Michael Caine and Michael Caine's kind of older thing going, oh wow, he's doing so well. This is so great. We have this bond already. Again, it's the relationship with the actors, knowing that, knowing how good the actors are and you can see how good they work together. It just brings the scenes even more alive. Yeah, that's, it's that's, true. That's like the and beautiful thing about it. But their real life relationship reflects that of Bruce and Alfred as exactly. well. Because, you know, Christian Bale is the lead of the film. He's the most important character. But um, my, having someone like Michael Caine there as his like, mentor, you can't overstate his impact on the film, like the filming world, the yeah. movie world, you know? Yeah. So mm. he, he deserves so much respect and he will be given it. It's a bit like um, uh, when Sean Connery plays... Indiana Jones's dad. I've been reading yeah, about that a lot yeah. recently for some reason. Like they were saying that there was only one man who could do it, like who could really go toe to toe with Harrison Ford for a start and also be this sort of authority figure over him. It has to yeah. be someone like Sean Connery or Michael Caine. Yeah. He, to be in that supporting role. Otherwise, they'll just be like, oh, well, he's just a butler. Why is, I, what's he doing given all this advice? Ironically, yeah. Sean Connery was only 10 mm. years older than Harrison Ford when he played that part <laughs> and he's meant but, to be his dad. But look at this. Bloody awful, didn't him. he? <laughs> Jesus. There was also that. It was pretty handy. He looked so flipping awful. I mean, yeah. That Again, that's perfect casting. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, what happens. On. That's what that's... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen does to you, though, to be fair. Great film. Great. <laughs> God, film. it's not. <laughs> Forced him God. into retirement. Yeah, He'd rather amazing. do that than play Gandalf. Shut yeah. up, Sean. Bloody hell. Didn't understand it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what this scene, as soon as these scenes come around where they're both talking together and Alfred's trying to give him one of his talks, it's like, oh, God, yeah. Let me this. tell you about the birds and the bees, mate. <laughs> I must tell it's you, Master Bruce. Have you ever watched Breakback Mountain Master Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> That man that you're chasing, <laughs> he's in it. <laughs> Everything you need to know is in that film. That's how you get to him. I'll watch it with you, Master Bruce. Have you got a tent? <laughs> Let's do it, Master Bruce. Of course Bruce. I have. That's how, that's how you I'm only there. 10 years older than you, Master Bruce, don't worry. He <laughs> looks bloody awful. <laughs> well, Christian yeah, Bell looks really good. I, I, I just love, I love all, all of that when they just sit and talk together and stuff and it can yeah. be in any it could be any place I don't care even in the final film where he just looks over and sees oh, Christian Bale there and they like Christian Bale just looks at him like oh god that still gives me shivers it's true it's because of the de- it's the depth thing again you know the depth of the storytelling the depth of the relationship the depth of the actors that's what it is the quality they bring to the screen is unbelievable it really is oh it's the top of the tree boys it, it's phenomenal stuff um, Alfred also talks about the That's new it. DA, who we know, mm-hmm. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Dent. Mr. Dent, isn't it? Mr. Dent. So we haven't really seen Two-Face before. Um, well, we've seen him in the... Hey, we've, we've seen him in the fantastic motion picture. 
<laughs> um, we saw him. Tommy Lee Jones playing him. Yeah, hey, that, I mean, don't knock Batman Tommy Forever. Lee Jones, right? <laughs> now that's and, w- that's where knowing that actors don't get on really has a bad impression of the film. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. But I mean, it's a, it's a it's a weird performance that he gives as Two Face. Yeah, when he flips the coin and he's just like, but it's just like I don't know. That is, there's no depth to that performance whatsoever, right? It's the opposite. It's yeah. the, the shallowest thing you've ever seen in your it's, life. It's comic. It's very forgettable. Yeah, yeah it is. It, except in its bizarreness, you know. I used to really yeah. like that film when I was growing up, but yeah, the more you look at it, the more you're like, "What is this? What? Who? Where? When?" All the when? questions. Why? All of, them. All of them. Yeah, just bizarre but stuff. Harvey Dent in this is brilliant. Harvey. He... It was Billy D. Williams in the first film as well. Isn't that a shame? Yeah. He was, as in, he was actual Harvey Dent. Yeah. And then instead of bloody Two Face, he never got the chance to do it. Bizarre. But I, I love the pain in this character. There's so much pain in these films. There not is. just, not, not just like physical pain. Yes, half of his face was burnt off. But like, <laughs> I just think it's brilliant that every character is just trying to deal with pain in some different yeah. bloody way. Michael Payne. Oh God. Michael Payne, Michael Palin, yeah. is Michael Palin's yeah. in there. Yeah, is yeah, he's yeah. doing one of his train journeys in the background, just yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. reading his book, having a lovely time. <laughs> but again, this this character is really set up, right? So Batman is set up, the Joker was initially set up, and now they're setting up Harvey Dent and Gotham's White Knight, like as a direct antithesis to to Batman. That's what he's supposed to be. Like yeah. Batman does does good things, but the wrong way, whereas Harvey Dent does everything the right way. And like he's the future. That's what they're suggesting. Um, mm-hmm. All very exciting. We so also he gets s- his face burnt off. Okay, we'll get that. We'll get that. We're gonna. We're racing through. We're doing really well. Uh, we also see, um, or Alfred says that you know he's dating Rachel Dawes, our old friend Rachel, Katie Holmes. Hold on. No, Alfred's Alfred isn't. Mate. Harvey Dent. Is. Yeah, no, they're, they're having a great time. Master Bruce, I must inform you. <laughs> I've started that. seeing Rachel Dawes. Look, she could do a lot worse. But also, it's a bit uh, bloody also awkward. Harvey, <laughs> also, Harvey's involved as well. It is a three way, so I hope you don't mind. Polyamorous like thing, you see. <laughs> we didn't want to ask you as. He's got a bit boisy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just a bit depressing, aren't you? You're just. Marlene! Marlene! <laughs> <laughs> She's loving it. She's watching on the shine. God. <laughs> Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, oh, don't dreadful. Absolutely. Here he is, boys. Get him out. The legend that is beautiful. Oh, that is lovely. Pulled out a signed picture of John Chalice. John Chalice, ladies and gentlemen. Does he make a sound lovely. like Baby Yoda? Oh, Chris, actually, read if you that press out, him? Mate. People might be quite interested in uh, what that says. Do you know what it says? It says to Chris, "It's your round. Mine's a large one, Jenks. I swear to God." <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare laugh. No, actually, because that, 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 that's it's beautiful. beautiful. I love that. It's wonderful. Isn't it's it still awesome? got broke back on the mind, but it's it's lovely. Yeah, of course it will. Yeah, we all gonna, do, don't we? Was that all, was yeah. that just off eBay? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was actually Biggins his, and he sold it to me. No, oh, Biggins! He <laughs> actually said uh, 2 Chris 0168 because that was his eBay yeah, username. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so you got to have a unique name, you know. Oh, Batman oh, Biggins. Yeah. Anyway. Biggins. <laughs> So Rachel, new Rachel, regenerated Rachel, is yeah. uh, dating Harvey Dent. And who can this blame is, her? This is, uh, what's her name, man? What's her name's uh, It's Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. 
Maggie Gyllenhaal. The Brokeback links are everywhere. Yeah. Wait, she's related a- to Jake. What was that, mate? Related to Jake. Yeah, sister yeah, of. She, she's his sister. Wow. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. She's, hey. a, she's a fantastic actress, but she's oh, yeah. never had as big of a chance as her brother has. That's true. And I really, really like her. I think she's like she does very well in this. She does do well considering she's a recast and everyone's like Yeah. Mm. It's it's a difficult one. I, Katie. I, I can't really remember the reason that Katie Holmes, I'm in love with Katie Holmes, didn't come back to do this film. <laughs> that oh my god, I'll never forget that bloody interview. The stupidest That's a weird thing. interview. Weird yes, guy. yes, yes, yes. Tom, I'm Tom, getting please. married. Tom, my god, what's the Jesus matter with you? <laughs> Jesus. These crackers. Um, was that Felton? Coke or something. What was that, Brian? Was that Felton you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. yeah, great guy. I'm in love with Emma Watson. Anyway. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, but yeah, Idea. we're introduced very... Uh, in the next scene, we're introduced to new Rachel, regenerated Rachel, Harvey Dent, beautiful, handsome, a charming gentleman, and Harvey's coin. His lucky coin. Mm-hmm. He's already got it. And yep. uh, they're like um, colleagues, lawyer colleagues, essentially. She's the deputy DA, I suppose. And he's like the full DA. And he flips yeah. a coin to see who's going to lead in court. Um, and they're prosecuting Salvatore Moroni. Do you remember this actor, boys? It's Eric Roberts. Speaking yes. of famous siblings, Julia Roberts' brother. Wow. How yeah. about that? Very good actor. Mm. Um uh, yeah, and he's he's done pretty well for himself. Obviously, he's no Julia Roberts, but then who is? And uh, they think that he is the new leader of the the Falcone family. Remember Falcone? Ah, oh, the Prince of Gotham. That guy in the first film yeah. loved him. Oh yeah, big fan. Um, and someone takes a pot shot at Harvey during the uh the court, like during the court being in session, and um. It's a very exciting scene, and he has this wonderful line, which I'm going to try and find. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, oh, it's absolutely brilliant because he punches the guy. Do you remember he smacks the guy in the face, and mm. uh, he says, "Permission to treat the witness as hostile." Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Hostile. I'll show you hostile. He points a gun in his face, and he he. Oh no, it's because the gun misfires. That's it. There's this pause where you're like, "Oh my god, why hasn't he shot him?" And Harvey Dent, without like a moment's hesitation, reaches forward, grabs the gun, smacks him in the face and uh, unloads it. And his line is ceramic 28 caliber made in China. If you want to kill a public servant, Mr. Moroni, I recommend you buy American. I mean, mean, it's just America. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just so good. It's so good. And it's sharp. It's witty. And it displays the character so well. He's so awesome. Yeah, completely. He's such a dude. We're, we're now being told to believe that this guy is, well, from the start, we're meant to believe that he is a hero, but we don't really see any of it. Yeah. And then at this point, we're like, he is like Superman. Yeah. He is awesome. He really but, is. Totally. but he doesn't yeah. like the Chinese. <laughs> Nor did Superman. Well, there we go, eh? Should we tread carefully here, boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, he's piped up with that. It's, oh, you know what he's like after that intro. Hey. Oh, he's nuts. Um, what do you mean after that? What? what? Oh, sorry. No, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so they they um, they arrest the, the gunman and they're dragging him away. And Harvey Dent's line is, but your honor, I'm not done. 
He's just great. He's just not phased by the fact that this guy has just pointed a gun in his face and literally pulled the trigger and tried to kill him. It's, mm. oh my God, it's absolutely awesome. I just love it. Uh, such a cool character. Anyway. Anyway. Um, really, Harvey really then goes off. your time in this one. <laughs> so I, it's just, it's just a fabulous moment. Um, Harvey then goes off and he meets with Jim Gordon and she says, oh, try to be nice. He says he wants to know more about Batman and he wants to meet him. And Jim Gordon has got this um, private unit, which he's running essentially within the police. And Harvey Dent is like, he's so straight. Like he's so, um, look look at his face. He just perks up as soon as I say it. I can't stand it. He's so like, I can't say it in any other way. What's another way of saying that he's so straight? He's so like, say it. He's Shit. on the level. He's on the level. That's what I mean. I'll make something yeah. up. That make something up. Awful. He's so on the level, and he's so by the book that he's like he doesn't like to see anything. He's on the right side of the tracks, and he? he's on the right side of the tracks, mate. He doesn't like to see anything, even slightly bent. Oh come on! There he is. doesn't like to see. I've got to give him something. <laughs> I can't say that. We'll move on anyway. Oh god, what was that? Don't worry. Oh, Jesus. Oh, did you hear a beep? Oh, no. Oh. Was there a beep? There was a beep outside. There was a car beeping. Oh, right. (laughs) Seeing as you're going to cut this out, can I say what I wanted to say? Yeah, go on. Thanks. He never wants to see anything go slightly queer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep that in. Yeah. That was was too good. That was too good. Uh, Anyway, uh, this is when um, Gordon says, we all know that you're Gotham's white knight. Cool. It's a good one, boys. It's it a really, good. really good one. Very, very exciting. Uh, then we've got this fabulous board meeting with... Yes, the this is what I want to talk fabulous. about. This is the one. Is it? Oh, you now want he's to, piped up. You want to talk about Morgan? Um, I just love this scene. Go on. No, carry on. I, I, oh, okay, <laughs> I, was, I was just excited that we were getting there. He doesn't oh, know what scene And ironically, I have... I'm wrong. <laughs> and I have stopped us from getting there. You have. It's ironic. Well, fine. Well, they're talking um, talking about investing with, do you remember Mr. Lau, boys, who's based I, in Hong Kong? I do. He's a dodgy character, let's be honest. And they're all for it. And Lucius is like, well, I don't know about this, you know. Um, and they talk, he and Bruce talk. And Bruce is like, no, this guy's the dodgiest man I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. We're not going to do any business with him. Uh <laughs> Oh, oh, it's just dreadful. It's unbelievable stuff. Anyway, Bruce also uses this opportunity to say that he uh, needs a lighter suit. And do you remember the line that he says here? Uh, or that Lucius says, I should say. He says, you want to be able to turn your head? Sure would make backing out of the driveway a lot easier. Okay. I mean, there are some corny lines in this. Like, you can't good, deny yeah. that. That's, some of that's it's not, not the, the best. best. <laughs> there are like, th- like three or four lines in this where you're like... I think I like it because it's something that I think I'd say when I'm older. Um, yeah. You know, like just, you know, bad jokes like that. Dad jokes. Yep. Chris, are you saying any dad jokes at the moment? I'm trying to, but I just, I haven't got the brain power for it at the moment, honestly. I get it. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll come. It's just, yeah, it's no good. It's no good at all. Um, Cool. Cool, man. <laughs> Backing out of the driveway. <laughs> Backing out of the driveway. And it leads to this fabulous redesign of the bat suit which I really, really like, because we've had this, you know, it, it, it's it's a modern 
tech version of the classic Batsuit, which is to say the cowl in particular is like this one piece thing which comes from the shoulders and goes all the way up. And it's just like this one fixed thing. So they have to move from literally from the shoulders. And it is weird and it is awkward. And it's always like, oh, how on earth, how on earth does that work like practically in the real world? And he ends up with this very, very sensible like suit of armor, which allows him complete flexibility and complete freedom. And yet looks Again, it's absolutely also, awesome. It's more realistic as well. Like this so doesn't much more. feel... This feels like it's actually been built and been made, and yeah. obviously because he's asked for it. But like, you know, when you see comic books and stuff like that, and you think, okay, that suit just doesn't make sense, and then you see it in the film, and it's like, it's like Batman having nipples. Just no, no, none of that. Yeah, just actually, this is a warrior. Yeah, built. this is the first time that Batman can actually move his neck. As, as it's unbelievable. So, you know, before he's always been. He's just been turning fixed. his whole yeah. body, and it has been a, a, almost like something that we know that's a quintessential Batman thing is that he kind of doesn't ever move his neck, and he moves like a unit. Like all of his shoulders will yeah. move, yeah. with whatever way he's looking at. But now, all of his shoulders, all of them, yeah, every single one, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> now we're detaching <laughs> from that, and again, like Jenk says, making it more realistic, making it like armor like yeah. an actual viable piece of armor that you could take into battle so what's, really the, what's this one made of again is it kevlar it's kevlar yeah mm. it's kevlar and um is it in this film or is it in the previous film where he's like i think it's in the previous film where he says it's good enough to stop a knife mm. oh no no it is in this film where he's like um what will i do against dogs and he says oh Should yeah be fine against cats and right. then he obviously gets bitten by a dog and it's a big issue. <laughs> I suppose the way that you justify the cowl thing in this real world context up to this point is that like he was getting this, he, was, he got the chest piece from Lucius and like the, the body armor, but not the, not the head stuff. They had to do that themselves, do you remember? And they had to mm, order yeah. it from all these different suppliers so no one would get suspicious. Whereas now Lucius is fully on board so they can actually do it through Wayne Enterprises and create this complete thing, yeah, I guess. True. Does that? Does oh, yeah, that and he's and he's a fully fledged sense. person now. Everyone understands what he's doing and his reasons. Yeah, for doing it. So they and so Lucius they go, is in oh, charge okay, of the company. We... Exactly. Yeah. So there's no way that it's you know he's going to go against him and yeah. reveal his identity or anything. So yeah, it's a huge thing. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I suppose yeah. so. Uh, but anyway, it's very very cool. I I I think the the bat suit it becomes it gets to a whole new level at this point. It's just like oh, this guy is like. This is like peak Batman, you know. He's unstoppable at this point. It's fantastic. Um, meanwhile, Harvey and Rachel are dating, as we know, and they go out for dinner. And uh, Harvey's like, oh, yeah, it took me three weeks to get a reservation in this place. Up walks Bruce Wayne, of course, as he does, um, with Puts the a hot ballerina. Pan in his face and goes, yeah, bugger! <laughs> yeah, you know what he's like. He's, he's always showing off in the aim. And I just turned up, they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the place. Oh, that's the first film. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bruce hasn't met Harvey officially at this point. And he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Yeah, well, pleasure. And they all have dinner together. And um, the prima ballerina for the Moscow Ballet says, oh, she'd never want to raise children in a city like Gotham because they idolize a masked vigilante. God, who sat next to her? Only Bruce bloody Wayne, isn't it? That's awkward. Uh, yeah. Awkward. I'll tell you, when he tells her later on, she's going to be like, oh, my God, and I said all that stuff. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Harvey stands up for Batman and he says that at the moment 
he's a necessary figure in the city, like he's important. And so Bruce is like, oh, great, you seem like a nice guy. And he says that he's going to throw a fundraiser on his behalf, which becomes quite important later on. Very exciting. Now, the next scene, boys, is iconic in so many ways. This is the big one, isn't it? This is the big one. This is a big scene. This is a big scene because um, our old friends, the mobsters, are meeting in a kitchen, like this bizarre, like grimy kitchen downstairs somewhere. And Mr. Lau pops up on a television and he says that uh, he's essentially hoarding all their money and he's keeping it in a se- like a secret safe place because Jim Gordon is searching all the banks. And um, the Chechenian, who we've already seen, the man with the dogs, is like, well, what about this Joker guy? Because he stole $68 million from us out of the bank. Oh my, that's how much he stole in the first scene. $68 million. Bit of money, isn't it? (laughs) It's unbelievable. And yet, as we know, the Joker doesn't give a damn about any of that. He's not into it at all. Uh, It's not about money. And uh, Salvatore Moroni is like, no, he's unimportant. Basically, he says the same thing as Batman, which is that, you know, he's just one man. What on earth can he do? Then, in walks straight away, the Joker and we're seeing him fully fledged in his proper outfit. And we hear his um, laugh before we see him. Do you remember his laugh in this instance, boys? Yeah. No, it's a fake laugh, which I just love more than anything else. Yeah. I just, it's like it's, it's because um, he's going, ha ha, he he, ho, ha ha ha. And he's laughing at Lao in particular. Because he's saying that, um, you know, the television is selling you a... Pr- he literally calls him the television, which I love as well. It's just these little touches. The mm. television is selling you this uh, solution. It's just not going to happen. Because um, even though Lau is in Hong Kong and he's like, well, the um, Gotham police have got no jurisdiction here. He says, Batman has got no jurisdiction. Uh, it's it, the whole... Th- the. This is like our full introduction hey, Chris, to the Joker. Chris, it's all right. It's all right, mate. It's all right. Mate, I, honestly, this no, scene this is, is unbelievably this, good. This is We've the had scene a, that everyone goes onto YouTube and it, watches. It is. This yeah. is it. And the most famous bit, of course, is um, the magic trick that the Joker mm. performs, mm. right? Brilliant. And again, it's playing with this sort of expectation thing. When he walks in, they're threatening him and they're like, why on earth shouldn't we kill you right now? And these are big, like, scary guys. And this bizarre character wanders in off the street and is literally laughing in these incredibly uh, violent and strong characters' faces. And they literally are like, why should we not kill you right now? You've stolen $68 million from us. And um, he's like, how about a magic trick? This is literally the line that he says. And it's a character called Gamble who was like, enough with the clown. And up he gets and he wanders over and this pencil is stuck up from the table and he gets up to the Joker. The Joker grabs him by the back of the head, smashes his face down onto this pencil and obviously kills him instantly oh. because it goes into his brain through his eye socket. Oh my good God. It's incredible. And what then the, a statement. But I love the little ta-da at the end ta-da. of it. Ta-da. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you legend. It's, I, mean, I mean, isn't it unbelievable? The performance that is going on in this room, imagine being there and witnessing this being filmed. It is seamless. It's perfection. Everything that Heath Ledger's doing, that he's embodying this character, it's it's very... Uh, everything about it feels so Joker, and I love it. He's yeah. so good. Mm. He's so good. 
Do you it's, like that uh, like, Heath, Led- Heath Ledger quite a lot does the uh, Barty Crouch Jr. tongue lick? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And you can really almost good. feel the scars on the inside of your mouth when, mm. when he does that. Yeah. Exactly. You know? It's so it adds that, that element of realism. Good. Of course he's developed a little tick like that because he's got this, this thing that's happened to him. And we obviously, we'd never find out exactly what's happened to him. It's, oh, honestly, the whole thing is so grounded in reality that it doesn't matter that he's this bizarre character. Yeah. Yeah. Because you completely believe what he's, what he's doing and what he's saying. And essentially he says that he's got the solution to their problem because no one is like afraid of them anymore. Like he said that, uh, in fact, his line literally is a year ago, these cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. What happened? And he says, did your balls drop off? It's great. great. So, so, good. so, so good. Um, and the, uh, he obviously talks about Lau and he says, Batman has no jurisdiction. I know the squealers. And there he, mm. and he just points at the screen. Everything that he does in this scene, I think, is just absolutely perfect. Absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. And he says that he's got the solution. And it purely and simply is that they kill the Batman. And Salvatore Moroni, Julie Roberts' brother, says, uh, if you can, if you, if it's so easy, then why have you not done it already? And he says this wonderful line: "If you're good at something, never do it for free." Brilliant. Brilliant. And wow. uh, they say, "What do we need to give you in return for this?" And he asks, literally, for half of all of their money. <laughs> so he's nicked sixty-eight million out of one bank, and Mister Lau, our old mate, is keeping all the rest of the money in Hong Kong, and he's like, "Yeah, I want half of it." Every single thing, just the for audacity me. audacity is just maddening, isn't it? It's so good. Mm. I mean, it's, oh my God, it's so awesome. So awesome. And he also leaves his calling card. Mm-hmm. And there's never a close-up of the calling card, but we know exactly what it is, right? It's a Joker card. Mm. Yeah, of course. I think you can see it like in like a, um, I don't know, a mid-distance shot or something. You can see that it's a Joker card just about if you look. But I love like, that's just a classy touch from Christopher Nolan. He doesn't need to ram it down your throat that he leaves no. the Joker card behind. Of course it is, you know? Of course we know it's the Joker and we know his calling card. We Look at him. He's laughing because I said ram it down your throat. Brilliant. <laughs> I How awful would it have been to have a slow-mo close-up shot of, uh, shot yeah. of the, the card at the end? Just yeah. like on the table. It's like, well, we know That would be like we... new DC. Yeah, completely. It's that is the difference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, look, 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 understand exactly what you're te- we're telling you. Look at yeah, everything. Get it? Now the audience this knows a, exactly what's going on. This, this is the joke. Do you card. see? Look at the yes, card. Yes, we see. Yeah, it's, uh, honestly, I, I, it's a classy, classy move. And it's very Christopher Nolan because he loves, you know, leaving the audience to figure things out on their own. Of course he does. Yeah. He loves, loves leaving questions up in the air. So it's like, even that slight little question <laughs> of... um. Oh, what card did he leave behind? If you go back and you look, then you can see. But it's like in that instance, you don't, you don't hundred yeah. percent know. I'd love it if he ran back in and went, "Oh, sorry, that was the uh, ace." Just yeah. uh, joker. Um, got Fifty-two to get through here. Jesus. Yeah. I'll <laughs> oh, drop them no, all for like, Just, t- just take him. I need to leave. I just need to leave. Uh, crackers, absolute crackers. The, the like one of the best scenes. Just to ugh. yeah. Uh, I I don't know. It's, it's right up there for me. And in, in all bloody films, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, we then move back to our old friend Batman and he's meeting with Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Dent. Meeting on the roof because that's where Batman meets people. Gordon pops yeah. up as well. They're having a nice little chat and um, 
Harvey then informs him that Mr. Lau is on his way to Hong Kong, so he'll be safe from their jurisdiction. And um, essentially, Harvey and Gordon are like at odds with each other. But Harvey, interestingly, Harvey is the one who says to Batman, can you bring him back to Gotham? So he's saying, essentially, break the law and go into Hong Kong, um, I don't know, airspace or whatever, because that's what he ends up doing. Yeah. Bust into Hong Kong kidnap this guy and then bring it back to Gotham because you're like the only one who can essentially very interesting like a little for this for this alleged white knight a little um flavor of the dark side but mm. he essentially just wants the job done yeah. you know basically um and it's at this point that Bruce is presented with the new bat suit which is very very exciting and they come up with this cover where uh Lucius is going with Bruce so that they can say in person to Mr. Lau, oh, we're absolutely not going to um, do business with you because, you know, you seem a bit shady, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and they put the, this fag hover of um, why Bruce has gone abroad, and it's that he's fled with the entire um, Moscow Ballet. Because you remember, he was with the prima right. ballerina. And yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's just on his lovely yacht, and he's got all of, And to be fair, they are all there, which is very exciting. So he's just paid for them all to be there. And then he disappears off. And um, they arrive in Hong Kong. Very, very exciting. Because there's this, one of my favourite lines in this film, and this is just uh, just a silly little throwaway line from Morgan Freeman, but he does it so well, where he's like, um, oh, I'm so sorry that we're not going to be able to do business with you. And, it, you know, any rudeness is purely uh, accidental, Mr. Lau says. And um, what is it that Morgan Freeman says? Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to be deliberately rude, is what he says. Just accidentally, then. Accidentally, <laughs> Mr. Lau. Very good. Very good. That line has stayed with me since 2008, boys. It's a bit of like you, back and forth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. back and forth, mate. The thing is, you know forth. exactly, from, the, from those words there, you know exactly how Freeman delivered that. And so you know it's just going to be one of those lines that goes down as being awesome because Morgan yeah. Freeman delivered it. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. Anything coming out of his mouth just sounds fantastic. Yeah. Anything at all. He's just phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, we've got Lucius there and he's in Hong Kong and um, essentially he set up the cover. Meanwhile, in the Joker story, which is running parallel, uh, we're in this nice pool hall, which uh, Old Gamble is running. Mm. And he's put out a hit on the Joker, essentially, because of him being, you know, very much anti-Joker. And they say that they've um, got his body, essentially. They drag him in, they put him on the pool table, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've got $500, and you're going to have it, and here we go. And out pops the Joker out of this bag. Again, it's like it's subverting your expectations because you don't expect it to be the Joker for a start. You expect it to be, you know, right. a fa like we've already seen stand-in Batman, so yeah. you expect it to be a stand-in Joker. It's the actual guy. It's just fantastic. And the guys who have brought him in are the Joker's men, and essentially they hold up Gamble's uh, posse, Gamble's crew. And this is where we get our first story about the Joker's scars. And um, this is the one where he's talking about his abusive alcoholic father. Yeah. And the line that sticks with me was, um, my father was a drinker and a fiend. Oh, my God. Mm. The delivery of these lines is unbelievable. And mm. he says that one night his father came at him and his mother and his mother defended uh, the Joker and herself with like a kitchen knife. And his father 
used the same knife to cut the scars into his face. It's a Chelsea horrendous smile. story. Sorry, yeah. mate. Chelsea smile. Chelsea grin. Mate, yeah, che- absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's just the most brutal thing you've ever heard. It's horrendous. That also birthed one of the most popular posters of all time of Wanna Know How I Got These Scars yeah. and Heath Ledger. And that is just, I mean, it plagued HMV for, you know, 12 years, 13 years before it shut down. So, I mean, yeah. It's amazing true. stuff. Yeah. And there's another one which comes with the Rachel story, of course, um, yeah. which is not with this one. Uh, another quote that is, but this is, this is the first time that we've heard. And so we assume that this is, this is the true story, of course. Um, and yeah, and after this, he, he kills him off because he's got this knife. He's got that very particular like combat knife, which the Joker uses, you know, with the gap in the middle, which presumably is for, I don't know, it like allows him to kill all that bit easier or whatever. Mm. And um, he says that there's one spot which is open up, opened up in his little gang. And Again, we don't see what happens afterwards, but he breaks the pool cue and he says that the three men who are left in the room, there's only space for one of them. And so they're going to fight each other to the death for the spot. Brutal. Mm. Mental. Utterly, utterly brutal. And we don't That's see it happen. Squid Game jam there, isn't it? I, yeah. I haven't seen Squid Game. I've heard, no, I've like, I've heard so much <sighs> about it. Oh, you need to watch it, mate. Mate, I, we're watching it. Me and, me and my beard are watching it what through at the moment. Beard? It's fantastic. Excellent. Is it? But it's a drama, isn't it? It's not like a game show. Because I heard it compared to Taskmaster. No, 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 no. It's it's It's, drama. No, 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 no. It's South Korea putting a mirror on themselves and Asian entertainment and saying there's some real stories. This is is their actual... uh, I watched an interview with uh, the guy that plays the lead. Oh, yeah. that's, That's the point of Squid Game. It's... It's South Korea holding up a mirror to their own society and going, this is what you're making people do. Yeah, basically, funny. imagine Hunger Games, but with playground games instead. Things that you, games that you played when you were a child. That's kind of what it's like in, yeah. in a room. Horrific. I mean, that, yeah. It sounds definitely sounds intriguing. I don't know if it's like, is it something that I want to watch? I don't know. Yes, Maybe. absolutely. Oh, I, I, I think you'd actually really enjoy watch, it. Watch it in Korean with subs as well. Way better. Have you... Uh, have you ever watched? Oh, instead Castle? of it being dubbed, yeah, I love yeah. Takeshi's Castle. So it's like, and that is brutal. You know, but like you know, Asian TV and stuff like that, how they like to take things a little bit further. Oh yeah, like, I don't know if you've seen the Chinese game show of the two Chinese girls with their mouth around the tube, and there's a cockroach in the middle, oh, and they're yeah. both trying to blow it into each other. Like, oh they do yeah, some okay, really yeah. drastic stuff. Yeah, yeah, on Asian TV, and that the point of it is to kind of hit on that mark is that these are the things that are entertaining to us mm. wow. and it's like you know isn't that what, interesting what kind of prize would you want if you went even further mm. and it's and then then you kind of get to know everybody that's taking part in these things and there's yeah. twists and turns and turns and twists and all that kind of thing but it's it's really really cool the but then look at the, the yeah i've also heard that i have to say but then look at the impact that it's having on netflix which is predominantly a western thing you know it's like the number one most Eastern... successful show by far isn't it yeah, I, I think it's that's the most I think that's western netflix culture program. amazing it, it it's western culture looking at asian culture and and mm, obviously being fascinated us yeah us being maybe slightly ignorant towards them and trying mm. to understand it and and seeing what 
that kind of culture is like compared to ours. I think that's why everyone's like, oh my God, especially in South Korea, considering the times that's happening in Korea over the last 10 years and now and stuff. Of course. Like it's an interesting place. Yeah, no, absolutely, to say the least. Mm. Interesting. Well, why are we talking about that? To say the least. He's just talking about um, what's happening right now with um, the death well, scene because where they had to the fight joke- to the death. Yeah, the Joker has said, fight to the death. Ah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's all of that stuff is always fascinating to watch, right? Um, And maybe it's a mark of the time. No, I don't think, I don't think, like, I don't think that someone like Christopher Nolan would ever have shown that scene necessarily because it's better to leave it in the imagination Mm. and to be like, well, yeah, my God, one of them has got to survive and they're going to be brutal. They're horrible gangsters anyway. Whereas DC now would have got a load of stunt actors in and it would have been a whole sort of John Wick scene, wouldn't D- it? Isn't that funny? DC, eh? wouldn't, mm. DC wouldn't have even put that kind of scene into it now, though. They wouldn't do that now. They wouldn't say, oh, I don't know. go on, you have to kill each other to get one spot. Well, yeah, they probably mm. wouldn't have even gone that far. No. They'd probably be like, oh, two of you w- w- just won't be in my gang. And one of Last you Last one not to cuddle loses. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever cuddles me first gets oh, in my gang. Okay. <laughs> we did that, didn't we? He's off again. Got a tent out the back. <laughs> oh, no. It's the last that's thing. How, we... That's how we Call made it. Call me Harvey Tent. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there it is. That's the high point of this pod we've just hit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Tent. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that horrible scene has been and gone. And now we get this some scene, which is Batman infiltrating Lau's headquarters. Oh, and he did it via, um, because Lucius left that mobile phone and he got it confiscated. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. It's actually a sonar device. Oh, the cleverest thing. And, uh, of course, Batman has got his built-in sonar um, screen and, like, detector and what have you in his new suit. Uh, very, very, very cool. It reminds me a little bit of um, of Skyfall now in terms of the lights and the and the shooting style. Do you remember that scene where he's um, taking down the the sniper and you get an awful lot of silhouette fighting yeah. with Bond? Um, mm. And yeah, it's not a million miles away from, from that. But yeah, Batman leaps off that yeah. building and he flies in through the window. And I mean, it's just absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Mm. And Mr. Lau is there. Mr. Lau's not a fighter at all. You know, he's just relying on his guards and his protection. They're all taken down in the classic Batman way. And he takes yeah. Lau away and he takes him back to Gotham. And it, it literally just happens. And he leaves a note on it saying, on his body rather, uh, not his body, he's, you know, he is alive. It just says, please deliver to Lieutenant Gordon. It's absolutely Great. fabulous. Just wonderful. And, um, oh, it's another one of these slightly poor Christopher Nolan lines where he says, like I said, I'm good with calculation. Yeah, that, that's that. It's a little bit weak, isn't it? That's an early Bond sort of It, line, it belongs it? to a different era, really. Yeah. It doesn't really belong yeah, to this absolutely. real world, which is a shame. Um, yeah. But yeah, essentially what Lau is saying is that he handled all of the investments of all of the mafia at the same time so that because it was all of their money is in one place, they can all be charged with the same thing because the, the, you know, the, the, um, the trail leads back to every single one of them at the same time which is, mm. you know, very, very exciting uh, for the DA's office. And like they're like, oh, my God, we can clear up the whole town at the same time. Very exciting. And Gordon pops down to the restaurant and he's like, boys, you're coming with me. And they're like, well, the charges never stick. 
all the usual sort of stuff. But essentially, they've arrested 549 criminals at the same time, which is exciting. And the mayor's going mad. Stuff. He's like, oh, yes, it's fantastic. Um, we're going to have clean streets for 18 months, is what he says. And Harvey is one that he's making dreadful enemies. There's this huge jump shock at this point. Do you remember when the body smashes into the mayor's window and it's a Batman mm -hmm. uh, impersonator and he's been hanged by the Joker? And this is a message, obviously, to the mayor and to Harvey as well. Um, and it says, will the real Batman please stand up on the body? This is now the Joker's real thing. Good Slim Shady Yeah, reference. you've got to have a little, you've got to have an Eminem wrestler. Little reference. Yeah, you've got to, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, I rem this, like, there are very few jump scares in this film, but that one was huge. Mm. I remember it frightening the living daylights out of me. And it probably would if I watched well, it again. six times. What, meme? I said, well, six yeah, times. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it would again, because it is a terrifying moment. <laughs> Poor old Batman. Yeah. Or fake Batman, I should say. Um, meanwhile, at Bruce's lovely penthouse, they're preparing for the fundraiser, which he promised Harvey Dent. And uh, Michael Caine is like, I know why you're doing this. Because he wants to impress Rachel. Michael Caine wants to impress Rachel, that is, because their relationship is yeah. floundering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they see... We're having some really good time with Master yeah. Bruce. It's, it's really fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Oh, it went a little bit brummy at the end. Really fantastic stuff, you know. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Don't worry about that. And this is the point where we get... Uh, do you remember this hostage video that the Joker puts out onto the news networks, which is one mm -hmm. of the Batman vigilantes, um, and he's essentially just torturing him and tormenting him. Do you boys know the, the trivia about this, which is that Heath Ledger like directed it and recorded it all himself in character? Wow. So yeah, Christopher Nolan did not have a hand in this at all. It was all Heath Ledger. And um He just he, he just we transferred him the files. Yeah, yeah, afterwards. yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it's a terrifying video. Because you never yeah, see the Joker's yeah. face, right? But you do mm. hear the I've never, I don't think I've ever heard it used in another film. The sound of his hands on the video camera, like him squeezing it, mm. you know, that sort of popping and cracking mm. sound that you get from uh, like an onboard camera. And as he gets more yeah, angry like and like as he's moving it around, you can hear it. And eventually, do you remember he just screams, look at me. And it's like the only time yeah. that we ever hear him angry, but he sounds like a wild animal. Mm. What did you boys think yeah. of this scene? I mean, I, 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 uh, I, <laughs> I mean, the, at the same, like, I think watching this, I, I, I think I knew that Heath Ledger had kept himself in a room for six mm. months to work. No, I think it was one part, month. I think it was one month. No. <laughs> yeah, James. Six months would have been insane. One month is crackers enough. Come on, mate. Yeah. Look, do the research, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Pry, what, what did you think, Pry? Oh, God. You've really broken him. It's such a shame, isn't it? What's he got there? Oh, he's got his fan. Oh, he's got water in it. Is that a humidifier? Oh, it, it sprays water. That's like a, a sort of clown gag, isn't it? I oh, know, I've looked it up. It was six months. <laughs> Chris, you got egg on your face. Now, how long actually was it? Oh, it was a month. Oh. Well, I knew that he'd gone to extremes with this character, mm. so him letting loose 
It is. Uh, I've got so much water on my face. He's got a wet <laughs> um, face. A wet face. Him, him letting loose. It's not the character anymore. It's almost like him. I mean, this obviously had a deep effect on him, on Heath Ledger. And it's like the great thing about it is that you actually don't know which is the Joker and which is Heath Ledger. Where does he start? Where does he end? <laughs> exactly. Big stuff. He's, he's, been, he's been in this part so long. So when he does scream, if, if he's, I didn't know he did it himself, which that scares me even more. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, Heath Ledger may have just lost it and was just in his room. or in. That's true. Imagine being the actor, the Batman. <laughs> yeah, my God. <laughs> you would be terrified. Yeah, I think everything about this... Uh, I remember watching it and, and feeling like it felt so real. Everything that Heath was delivering was like harrowing stuff. It's like this feels so real and like it could happen. This we could see this on the TV yeah. on a on a news report of breaking news. This is happening, going on or whatever. And yeah, I think it was the realism that really sold it. Uh, yeah. Again, put that down to Heath being so talented. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting as well because when you do see like Heath Ledger interviews and stuff like that, he seems like just the nicest guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Ever. Like, have you seen that interview where he just comes up to a random reporter and just starts kissing her and making out with her? Yeah, it's inappropriate. Like, it was a different time. <laughs> no, but like she kept saying, Can you kiss me? Can you kiss me? Can you kiss me? And he was like walking past just on a red carpet and then he just runs back and just starts kissing her. And yeah, she like falls to yeah, the floor and she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And oh my God. Like, it, it's, it, it, it is in jest, I will say, if anyone watches it. It's of course it's in jest. Uh, she asked him to yeah. do it and he said, no, no, no. And then he comes running back and he kisses her and she's like. It's lovely. So it's overwhelmed really nice. by how beautiful the kiss is. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I would. He's probably not now. Beautiful man. But No, not now. Yeah. Not now. But like. Hey. He just seems like a very lovely guy. So when you see this, it is scary because you're like, oh my God, is he all right? It's true. But the the level of commitment is huge. Yeah. The commitments. Yeah, they were in this film, yeah. Right, sir. <laughs> yeah. Sing it to me. No, but the, <laughs> the, the level of commitment of the actor is, again, uh, <laughs> above and beyond what we've seen in previous superhero films, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly it. Though across the board is it now? Now we know about this story, and we know who, what he's like and stuff. And he was like this lovable American heartthrob. It made it even more impactful that he did it. It's like Robert Downey Jr. He went to prison for God's sake, and then he comes back and he plays Iron Man. It's like okay, well we know his story already as a person, and it just impacts us even more. Heath Ledger, he's a lovable rogue that does like a Knight's Tale. Yeah, that's and true. Then and then for some reason, now he's playing the Joker and look at how intense he is. It's yeah. like, oh my God, this makes his performance even better. Because he just never mm. does this. That's why people love character actors more. It's like Johnny Depp playing a pirate and then a couple of years before he played a guy with scissors for hands. Willy Wonka, yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> and it's just like, you love it more and more because they like to go to extremes and just show you these different types of people they're people that have obviously just sat there for ages and thought oh my god but people believe this but people believe that how mm. far can i take it and we respect that more as an audience because that isn't the norm it's different yeah absolutely and it, it but obviously it was the reason that they that everyone was so doubtful of heath ledger when yeah. he took the part because they're like he's shown nothing at all that makes us think that you can do it but my yeah. god what a performer what an actor 
um, so dedicated I, to his I, craft and then so talented and skilled to be able to actually pull it off. Like, I mean, it'd be very yeah. easy to go into a hotel room for a month and write a diary of the Joker and then be absolutely awful. But he mm. was just phenomenal. I think he did change the way that we uh, that we react with actors who we wouldn't normally suspect to play certain roles because of how impactful he was as the Joker. We're kind mm. of like more forgiving, I feel, as a society. We're kind of like, okay, let's wait and see before judging. You know, maybe they, yeah. they haven't done things similar to this, but we've had so much experience from people like Heath Ledger who have completely blown us away. So, yeah, I think it's a... I think that is true. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's often referenced as a, oh, well, the last time there was such an uproar about casting that was proved wrong was when Heath Ledger was the Joker. You know, it's that sort of thing. It's become one of those moments in in movie history, in time, that people reference back to. That's how big it was. Yeah. Yeah. But those are always the best moments. It's like Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan Kenobi a couple of years before played a heroin addict. Yeah. It's like, okay, I I don't think this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think this should be a, a thing. Like Jack Nicholson, for some reason, like in the early 80s, he was in like just really chilled indie flicks. And then at the end of the 80s, everyone was like, he has to be mental now. That's true. And it's like, where, where did that come? Like the shot, like I don't know if you guys know about The Shining, but he did the course. same thing. He was, Jack Nicholson was in it 100%. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like the all the background stuff and everything like that. He's talking about ways to the di- to uh, Stanley Kubrick about killing the actress playing his wife when they're sitting down having tea reading the script, and, like how he'd want to kill her in real life. It's actually funny you bring up The Shining because I actually see a lot of The Shining Jack Nicholson in Heath Ledger's performance. Isn't that interesting? Especially like the typewriter scene and things like that. Uh, um, you know, where he's like. Uh, I can't concentrate when you're constantly disturbing mm. me. All that I can't mm. remember exactly what it was, but that kind of uh, way that he was in in that moment reminds me of Heath Ledger so much as the Joker. Yeah, it's I don't know whether it's just a lot of method acting, incredible work beforehand. Yeah. I don't know, but it's amazing. I think stuff. method acting shows a certain trait in a performance which you can always recognise. Yeah. I think you see it a lot in Daniel Day Lewis's stuff as well back when he used mm. to act and the good old days like, like, well he doesn't do it anymore that wasn't a that wasn't a slight he just doesn't act anymore yeah well he did like, like six films anyway yeah and won a bloody oscar yeah, for like every michael one Kane, of them <laughs> but like, it's like michael kane giving up now isn't he? yeah, yeah. classic but you see it in like you ever see zulu dawn <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but you know when jack Di- nicholson <laughs> jack, say jack dickelson <laughs> dickelson <laughs> That's his porn star name. <laughs> I've got Nick on the mind. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so it broke back in there. You know when Jack Nicholson is sitting at, in, in the bar in the hotel in The Shining and he's having the chat with uh, the barman who's yeah. obviously not real and not there. Yeah. And uh, it's like the scene where uh, the Joker just walks away from the hospital dressed in... Oh, yeah. The nurse's outfit. Yeah. There's something about just the look on both of their faces that that is reality when i mean you i I imagine you're going to bring up the cool little fact about that as well yeah when we get there yeah of course like i'm surprised this comparison hasn't been made maybe it has but it's them not them between them particularly 
like in yeah. that they played the same part as well. So there's an awful lot of exactly. you know, inherited I traits. That, yeah, inevitably. That, that's why we always say it's like Daniel Day Lewis when he does the "I've abandoned my boy" speech. It's just like okay, yeah, that's crazy, crazy. I drink your milkshake. Like all of those actors are just. Off the, have you seen uh, Leaving Las Vegas with Johnny Depp? No, no. It's it's a he plays a reporter that um, wants to study um, how drugs are used in Las Vegas. Mm. So he tries every drug possible <laughs> to try and understand why people do these certain acts, and it's just insane. And Johnny Depp in reality tried every drug right that was in the script. So he could get his real reaction Jeez. in each tiny scene. There's one scene when Johnny Depp is in uh, a bath uh, with a toaster. And his toe <laughs> is just slowly moving against the switch. And uh, I can't remember which drug he was on at that point. I think it's LSD or something like that. And he just keeps tempting. And he's, he was really doing it. Are you sure he just didn't want to try them all? Yeah, that's why he took the role. There was no film, and then he was like, well, I'm doing this, so should we make a film about it? Yeah, probably. May as well make some money from this, recoup the cost. Yeah, Jesus it's, it's, based, it's, based on a, it's based on a real story. It's based on a book. Oh, right. I can't remember the writer's name, but it's. I think, again, that's another thing that all mm. these things, as soon as you know that they are really mm. doing them, it puts you in the story even more. Yeah, that's true. That's... And even if you don't know, like, there's an element of truth to it that you couldn't get, like you can't fake, but if it's actually yeah. happening... And I think that's why Pryor, how Pryor is recognising these things like between Jack Nicholson mm. and Heath Ledger. Yeah. That's, I suppose it is that ring of truth, isn't it, between the two? Working, working with Chris Nolan as well, a man that hardly ever will use CGI. Yeah, it's true. always make everything real. That always helps anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Everything bleeds into everything else, 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Jenks, you're right. <laughs> I could hear you. You boys, I swear, you boys. <laughs> sorting out my act. Leaving the screen. Sorting out your act. <laughs> Just sorting out my act. Buck up your eyes. I need to rewrite a new one. Pry, I find it very interesting that you see such similarities between Nicholson and Heath Ledger in particular. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, when they played the same character, but I'm not yeah. seeing the similarities of the same character, but of a different character. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, thought yeah, you yeah, were just being just... sarcastic then. Yeah. Because <laughs> they same, played the same <laughs> character. <laughs> oh, 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 put a marker in right there. It was, oh, it was me. It was, I can't believe I was the first Chris one. This is the first one. Wow. The first That's one. Um, anyway, boys, so Scum! we've just had that jump. We've had that jump scare. <laughs> uh, and the Joker has laid down this big threat of who he's going to kill. And uh, on his Joker card, he put three traces of DNA. Already that's creepy because it's like he's got close enough to these people to get their DNA. And one of them is the commissioner. It's Commissioner Loeb, uh, one of the judges, and Harvey Dent himself. And they make all these preparations to protect them. But um, he's not able to do it for the judge and for the commissioner. And do you remember for the judge, um, someone is like, oh, yeah, uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, has left you instructions in your car of where you're supposed to go. And literally on the page is just this word up. It's in like you're supposed yeah. to go up and the car blows up like straight away. Very, very scary, scary stuff. Like there's nothing they could do. That's about a good it. one though. Cause it's just nice and simple. Yeah. Really, really simple, really brutal. Yeah. And, but still with that, like the element of humor, like obviously the Joker's instruction has been like, Oh, tell her where 
tell her her instructions are waiting for her. It's going to be hilarious. You're going to love it. <laughs> and then in there, it's just like an indication that she's going to be really confused and frightened and then she's going to die. It's going to be great. <laughs> He's not a good guy, let's be honest. Yep. And um, the second one is Commissioner Loeb and they're in his office and he's having some whiskey and then um, Gordon's chattering away and he's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe they got the DNA from one of your glasses or tissues or it could be anything like that. And um, Loeb collapses because he's been poisoned. <laughs> oh, swear to God. That's actually in the film. You can't laugh at that. What's he oh, ridiculous. tissues. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, as soon as I saw him chuckling, I was like, what did I say? Yes, of course it's that. Maybe it's one of your, the man dies. One of your uh, tissues, sir. That One of your many tissues. I've warned you about that. Could have been going to go blind. Could have been the tissues. Could have been the Vaseline. Could have been the magazines. Could have been <laughs> all yeah, of this. It uh, got everywhere. You really have a problem. You've got to stop. It's coarse and rough. And it gets everywhere. In fact, you kind of deserve this, sir, for your addiction. This, this is too much. So many trees. Your addiction. Oh, oh come man. on. That's sorry. Not, I'm sorry. That was dreadful. That's not it? good. That was be- We're better than that's that. below the belt. Oh, no. <laughs> See, that's better. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's bringing it back. It's clever. Anyway. But yeah, Commissioner Loeb dies. It's actually not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's two out of the three. Pretty quickly killed off by the Joker. Very efficient stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, the mob have gone crawling back to him as well. Essentially, he's got he's got the world at his feet. He's become the kingpin. Not literally, obviously. Sorry, Pry. Thanks. Um, but he's become the crime lord of, uh, <laughs> of Gotham. Uh, and everyone is like... Everyone is under his thrall. All of these previously powerful mobsters are like, oh my God, yeah, he's in charge. Yeah. Now. Hey, you, you're confusing it. Thrall is in a different universe. That's okay. Thrawn. God damn it. Thrawn. Listen, Kingpin's Marvel. We're just messing things up. Oh, talking about that. Oh. Did you see that Mandalorian has started filming yesterday? Oh, yeah. Season three. And they're saying it's going to be the last yeah. one. And oh. it's going to transfer into something else. Well, I think, I think it's all going to kind of swap over with the Book of Fett and a Sobers series. And. <laughs> And all that. Uber. Yeah. Uber. <laughs> With Grand Admiral Thrawn. Who's going to play him? Who knows? Cumberbatch probably. It probably will be Benedict Cumberbatch. Should always be. is. He's a good good casting, to be fair, for Thrawn. Yeah. Anyway. Opie turns, Opie's blue, though. Opie? Opie. That's from Sons of Anarchy, isn't it? I Opie's blue. Don't... Opie's blue is in Sons of Anarchy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. <laughs> anyway, boys, we've got another iconic scene, and this is particularly in reference to Jenks' favourite person because we're at Harvey's fundraising party at uh, Bruce's apartment, and um, Harvey he does. Dent, I love fundraising. <laughs> he loves him. I nearly said Arthur Dent. Then it's not Arthur Dent. It's Harvey Dent. Yeah. He asks Rachel if she'll marry him, Ooh. and obviously she's still in love with Bruce. How could she not be? But um, she doesn't give him like a proper answer. At this point, which becomes quite important. And uh, then Bruce realises something bad is going on. So Dent gets locked away in this uh, safe room, I suppose it is. Um, Security room in his apartment, which he's got. Because the Joker rocks up to this party and comes out through the elevator. And oh my good God, this is a very famous bit of behind the scenes stuff. This is the first time that Michael Caine ever saw Heath Ledger in the makeup and doing the part. And... um, he said he was utterly terrified of him and so terrified that he forgot all of his lines on the set. Like he had, he just didn't know what to do with himself. Michael Caine, who at this point had been in 80 or more films and yet he was, 
you know, for one of the first times in his life, terrified by what he was yeah. seeing on a set. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Love that. And that, that is a man who has got some chops as well. He, he scared me, Master Brutes. <laughs> Very scared, I find that Master absolutely Brutes. Incredible. <laughs> and, and yet, you can see it though. You can see it because he's he's so like he's good in all of these scenes, obviously. Um, but when he rocks up to that party. And he's there with his... What is he chuckling at <laughs> now? No, it's him. He's just being a mess. Just carry on. <laughs> What's... He's, like, carry on. He's, he's, he's a monster. He is. No yeah. sugar. He's a monster. <laughs> what was that, mate? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So he's, he's rocked up into the scene and it's just fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, it's scaring Michael Caine to death. And... Um, <laughs> that ends the point l- of the scene. Not death. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's why. That's why. <laughs> that's literally what's I've got going an idea. on. I want to scare Michael Caine. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Dent. Um, hang on, I want to find the quote because this is another incredibly famous quote by um Heath Ledger. Just call him Keith. <laughs> We're all thinking about it. <laughs> like, Back what was his hat. parents doing? Oh, there, we go. there we go. Yeah. or something. Do you want to call him? <laughs> hey boys, hey. I got the next. I got. I got the next. What if? Okay. Yeah. What if? <laughs> what if he was called Keith? The Joker was played by Keith Chegwin. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that really would be different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go on, Chris. Sorry, mate. Guys. No, no. It's he wouldn't like bread about um, mine, would he? <laughs> It was a different time. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, we haven't no, we haven't got Keith on this one. We've got Heath on this one still. And he's looking for Harvey Dent, right? That's why he's there. And he's come to his fundraiser. Very shrewd, because of course he's going to be there. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, li- I like that guests. Chris leads these ones, because he just <laughs> he really spells... Quite, look, it's sensible. <laughs> I'm just complimenting him on his plan. Yeah, good, good thinking. Come to Makes the front. Makes sense because he will One be there. <laughs> and yet, ironically, he wasn't. He's not there. He wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, one of the Gotham's, one of the like the rich and powerful of Gotham steps forward and he says, "We're not intimidated by thugs." And again, we get this thing with the Joker's father, and he says, "You know, you remind me of my father. I hated my father." And he takes out his horrible little knife again. This It really is a horrible little knife because it's so small and yet he does so much damage with it, you know. And it's Rachel this time who stops him. And she literally says, stop. And she becomes terrified of him as well. And he says, you must be Harvey Squeeze. Uh, and this is where we get our second story about the Joker's scars. And uh, he says, I had a wife, beautiful like you, who tells me I worry too much, who says I need to smile more, who gambles and gets in deep with the sharks. One day they carve her face and we got no money for the surgeries and she can't take it. Uh, and he gets so intense. That's, I think that's the thing. Mm. Like the intensity of this story is unbelievable. If he's just making it up in the moment that this is his choice yeah. or is it like just the Joker actually believe the lies that he's telling? Yeah, that's the great thing though. Because he says... Is that you, ha- you have to question uh, it all. You do. And he says, I just want to see her smile again. I just wanted to know I don't care about the scars. So I put a razor in my mouth and I do this to myself. And you know what? She can't stand the side of me. She leaves and now I see the funny side. Now I'm always smiling. Oh, God. 
Isn't that unbelievable? Like, which of these stories is true? Is it neither? Is it would, both? Would I you mean, do that for Lucy? Oh, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. I did. <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I really think it's neither. And that's what's more terrifying is that all of these stories in his mind are kind of like battling mm. for the forefront. Yeah, do you think so? Yeah, um, I think he's got hundreds of stories about how he got those yeah. cars and they're all incorrect. I mean, Yeah, I like, be... I like that one. Yeah, wow. Just uh... and Yeah, and, and maybe every day he's like, oh yeah, maybe it's this. And he lies to himself so much and so like seriously mm. that he does he does believe it yeah. by this yeah. point. Absolutely. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> it's so fascinating that we, there is obviously no, we get the origin story much later for a different version of the character with old Joaquin. But um, there is n- literally he makes the decision not to give him an origin story at all. Mm. Isn't that just it's incredible? It's scary that he tries to push so many. Like, because we do get so bored of origin origin stories. As soon as we find out there's a super origin story, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we find out there's a superhero coming into a universe, we know that we've got to go through the origin story, which we've seen millions of times now in, in so many different variations of so many different characters but yeah. the Joker coming into this halfway through a trilogy then telling you three different origin stories in like the matter of a couple of minutes and you and it almost makes you go oh wait wait, wait. no maybe I do actually want to I want to know and I'm, I, I'm yeah. even more aggravated by this character that he won't give me what yeah, he's actually I think planting, I should deserve. He's planting yeah. the insanity on us, the viewer. Exactly. Which we're then questioning our own uh, sense of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. I mean, we, wow. We want to know, like everyone in, like everyone in Batman, we want to know why he's like the way he is. We want to mm. try and understand him and try and see if we can yep. get what's what's going on and. The fact that we can't, along with everybody else that's interacting with him, just makes us part of it even more. Mm. God, I'm, I'm no, it's true. good. <laughs> no, mate, you are. I'll tell you a, a parallel, which is the opposite. Do you remember when um, Sherlock jumped off the roof? Yeah. And then when they came back, they gave us all those different explanations. Mm. I'm sure that's what they were trying to mm-hmm. do with that. And yet it did the opposite. It weakened the character considerably. Mm. Um. It's it's really I think that is two sides of the same coin because we we were desperate to know with that and we were sort of promised it and then they handled it in such a I don't know like an unnatural way for the program that it ended up ended up cheapening the whole thing whereas this enriches it completely yeah. because he's a, it it really forms his character yeah. you know like it it informs everything about him it becomes an intrinsic part of his personality yeah. It's, I, I think it's fascinating, and it's one of the few times that you actually see it happen where he makes the, it's the activeness of the decision for me that he's avoiding the actual origin story, yeah. you know? Mm. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, I think in every Batman film, like, I mean, obviously in all of these films, but in, in every Batman film, we find out about the villain and where they come from, and a lot of the time we see it happen, but this is, it's yeah. amazing. Mm. And the fact that Heath Ledger sells it so well is the thing. That I, I really like that he seems to believe it. I like that that idea, and it really marries up with the performance because he's so a hundred percent behind it. There's no moment of hesitation where you're like, "Oh, the Joker is pretending." Yeah. No, the Joker a hundred percent 
in that moment at least believes what he's saying and it's terrifying if you can take a character and not give him an origin story but we still have so much invested in him it's a huge Mm. win isn't it Mm. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. What, a, what an incredible These are probably thought. the thoughts that he had when he was spending uh, those 12 years alone in his hotel room. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe he came up with the... I don't know the... the, the sec- like, is that... Did he come up with these origin stories? Was it a conversation with him and Chris Nolan? Well, I don't know. Well, when you think know. about it, I suppose, a lot of directors kind of leave that to the actor, you know. I mean, it's like Maybe, yeah. in drama school, you're always told, well think of where you were before this scene starts and all right yeah you were yeah (laughs) i remember But like those kind of things like where have you just been what have you just done how has this impacted you all those things i imagine yeah chris nolan being a kind of director that gives a lot of freedom to his actors Mm. and it's like right okay well i need you to think of all these different things all these possibilities and maybe heath ledger came back and went i have a lot of possibilities and they may have gone, well, let's lob them all in and see which one we believe the most. Yeah, that'd be a cool yeah. idea. Because that, that, yeah, again, it makes us question this character even more. What actually is yeah. he? And again, subverting our expectations yeah. because we've already had the origin story. And if we'd only had that one, we'd have assumed that that's yeah. what it was. And that origin story was fine. And it was very um, human. Yeah. And we get an equally human one. It's like it's 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 almost perverse, yeah. really, that he that he does this and he lies in this way, or you know, presumably they're all liars. Oh, it's just amazing. It's again, it's depth. Like there's a huge amount of depth of storytelling there, an unnecessary amount. That's the thing. That's what makes it so real world. It's like it could be either of these things. Mm. It could be none of these things. But the fact that it's all thrown in our faces and so incredibly well, mm. it just adds so mm. much. Um. But yeah, as I said, that is an iconic scene for the Michael Caine thing. And I think for the way that he tells that story and the score again at that moment, this Joker, um, it's the same thing that we had at the very starting phase, the suspenseful strings. And my God, it's unnatural and it's um, otherworldly and, you know, very disconcerting. Um, and it marries up perfectly. Natural. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the story a tragedy. <laughs> I thought you were doing. Joker, why don't you come to my private party to tell me about, about yourself? Your, uh, <laughs> a glass of brandy, maybe. <laughs> my father was. Oh, let's not talk about that now. <laughs> no, 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 no need to. No, no, don't worry about that. Uh, come, come, come in. Wear your dressing gown. Right. Hey. I thought yeah, I was going to say carrying it on just, then. No, just, just right, right. just right. No, it's like right. That's it. I'm enough. To stop this from getting any further. No, really. Yeah, like very sensible. Right. Um, right. Yeah, you know what he's like. He's all about. The he loves it. Right. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, Batman rocks up. Thank God he does, because things are really taking a turn for the worse. Rachel smacks the Joker, which is very cool, and he has this awesome um line, which is a little fight in you. I yeah. like that. And then Batman's line is, then you're going to love me. <laughs> it's brilliant. And he crashes through the window. You and, just did um, Wilbo's voice. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get it away. <laughs> Get it away from me. <laughs> what I love, one of the things that I love about the Joker is that he doesn't stand a chance against Batman. Right. In a physical contest, there's just nothing at all. 
absolutely nothing. He's, but he's got all of these tactics yeah. that he uses against them. And um, it, all he wants is for Batman to be revealed now. Like, that's his whole thing. He, d- he doesn't give a damn about anything at all. He's reached the top mm-hmm. of the pile. He's just like, this is all I want in the world. Um, and this is what he says to Batman. He's like, take off your mask, show us all who you are, and, you know, it, whatever, it'll be fine. And he says, because he's got Rachel and he's, they're on this skyscraper, obviously, and he holds her arm as she's dangling out this window. And Batman says, let her go. And he says, very poor choice yeah, of words and drops her out of the window. So, so, so Amazing. good. Amazing, Brilliant stuff. And uh, yeah, Batman jumps out after her and they crash into this car and everything is fine because of the suit, yeah. presumably. Uh, it's one of those things where it's a bit like Austin Powers, you know, they crash to the bottom of this thing. Why won't you die? <laughs> Crackers. Yeah. But yeah, they survive and all is well, you know. Rachel won't die because she's one of the leads, so don't worry about that. Uh, anyway, um, mm-hmm. the next day, they're having a um, this massive, massive funeral for Commissioner Loeb. Who'd have thought that he was this big a deal? Like they've got yeah, we, like we, a, didn't, we uh, didn't really know much about him. Let's let's be fair here. No, <laughs> he looked good in eye makeup though. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, nice, lovely bit of mascara on him. Really, really yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, and the the Joker and his henchmen are there and they're dressed up uh, as like the National Guard or whoever they are. I don't know who they are. And they, um, they're going to perform this 21-gun salute because, of course, that's what Commissioner Loeb, this character we're very fond of, deserves. And um, the Joker's there without his makeup. Mm-hmm. And it's even more yeah. creepy than seeing him with the makeup now, right? Yeah. What an incredible choice that is, don't you think? Just to have that little that's flash you just of see him. the scarring a bit more. That's all you see, isn't it? You, he's like, he's nothing but scars at that point. You're just like, oh my God. It's Heath Ledger, but mm-hmm. not. I find that very, very interesting. That's such a nice decision. And again, that it's the Joker. He gets his hands dirty. He's the one who takes yeah. the shot. And it's at the mayor this time, right? Um, and Gordon is um, the one who saves him. Gordon's a hero. We love oh, Gordon. Yeah. He's an absolute legend. Love Gordon. Um, and the whole thing... Be- yeah, good old Gordon. Gordon's alive! And uh, it, the whole thing <laughs> dissolves into this, you know, ridiculous panic and it all goes mad. But um, Gordon is the one who saved him, essentially, and the the mayor, is, um, the mayor is, lives to fight another day. Then Batman steals Julia Roberts' brother, takes him up to a, a, a roof, holds him off a fire escape. It's all getting very, very violent. And it's a great line from Julia Roberts' brother where he's like, from this height, the fool's not going to kill me. And Batman is like, I'm counting on it. And he just drops him and smashes his yeah. legs to bits. But again, yeah, he doesn't kill him. I love this scene so much. Yeah. Because I, I just, another one of those things, it's another one of those questions that's being answered by this film. What would happen if you were like in this superhero situation and you fell off this building? And Moroni is like, yeah, it's not going to kill me. And Batman proves that it's not. I just, I just love it. And again, it's Batman's one thing, right, where he's pledged that he would never yeah. kill. And Maroney points this out and he says that, um, you know, no one is going to come over to Batman's side because the Joker is literally lawless and Batman has got this one rule which is going to hold him back. And uh, he essentially says that if he wants to find the Joker, he's got to let the Joker come and find him by giving in to the Joker's demands. Uh, by like revealing himself and you know doing all that sort of stuff. Or, an interesting thing that Harvey Dent does is that 
like all of this is coming to a head, right? And the Joker is going to kill everybody. Like he's he's putting out all these threats again, and he's already killed loads of high-profile figures. He's nearly killed the mayor, and Harvey Dent is uh, the man who steps forward and is like, he says that he is Batman at this point, and he gets arrested by the police as a result. And uh, it obviously it's all we obviously as the audience know these, but not Batman. But um, Dent is like, yeah, this is a ruse, which is going to draw the Joker out of hiding, and then we're gonna we're gonna nail him essentially. Um, but uh, again, subverting the expectations because Bruce is literally about to to do a, a Tony Stark and be like, yeah, yeah, I am Batman. He was about to reveal himself, and yet Dent does it in his place. What do you boys think of this moment? Were you shocked like and surprised? Spartacus, isn't it? <laughs> what I remember thinking. I suppose it is. I'm, I'm Batman. Is. You're not though, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a good little thing. I mean, this, this sets up uh, Harvey Dent's kind of almost as he sees it later on betrayal kind of thing, and and, yeah. and everything that he's backing up Bruce and backing up yeah. Batman so much, and then Batman fails to save him and. He sees him fail to do all this, so it's 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 making us understand Harvey Dent even more. This is his yeah, this is his own yeah. little origin story running through this. I like it. It is actually this is a, an origin story within a film that hasn't got much of an origin story for the mm, actual that's true. villain, and um, it's a pivotal point for for Harvey Harvey Dent, um, in which we see later on, of course, but. Uh, yeah, I think this is a really cool way of of dealing with it because imagine if he just went Bruce Wayne just went I'm Batman like the film would be over. It's like great. Yeah, the thing the is, is the thing is though is that the great thing now is that we can look back and go would it have been cool as hell that he just goes I'm Batman just like someone that went I am Iron Man. And it's isn't that amazing? And isn't that amazing? It's the same yeah. year, and yet they went in the two different directions, and yet almost, it was very close yeah. to being the same mm. thing. Because I think uh, uh, we we all think, oh, okay, if you just reveal who you are, then that's it. The mystery's gone. And now that it's been proven, especially in the Marvel universe, it's like nah, I think it's even. Well, I think cooler. It, I think it played know. into uh, it played into Tony Stark's character. He was always going to reveal yeah. himself, whereas I feel like. Batman being the sort of vigilante on on the sort of anti-hero line here, it's kind of like if he reveals himself, he's in a lot of trouble. Mm. And Iron Man's trouble was a bit seemed a bit less because of uh, his actions in general. Everything was to to be a superhero, whereas Batman's a bit more grey with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite interesting because everyone does always kind of compare Batman and Iron Man that in, in their both kind of separate mm. universes. They're both billionaires. Neither of them have superpowers. They're both these playboy philanthropist kind of characters. And one of them, and they both have this massive pain of their parents being dead. And they both take it out in two, like they, they kind of run linear and then they slightly move away from each other. Like every, it's like, it it's really cool that these two characters are now two of the most famous characters in both of their universes mm. when they don't even have any powers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's probably because again that they're, they're based in more 
a realistic sense like i'm sure there's some billionaires out there or some people that if they were billionaires they'd try and do this kind of thing because they'd think it's cool as hell yeah whereas people like superman and captain marvel that have every power under the sun is kind of like oh yeah, yeah, and I think Elon Musk is proof of the real life Iron Man. I mean, let's be yeah. honest; he has literally got loads of money. It's like, let's see what I can do. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. It's it it's really. Co- I I love that. Yeah, I love the comparison between Batman and Iron Man. I love that it happened in yeah. this same year as well. It was both two thousand and eight, and obviously we know that um, Marvel weren't going to go in that direction, and it was just an alt. And yet, this whole thing came out mm-hmm. of it but pray you are i think you're absolutely right that you know it suited tony stark's character mm, yeah uh whereas it sort of would be the end of batman if he did reveal and that's what he was going for like bruce was bruce was like, i'm going to turn essentially yeah. turn myself yeah. in like that was the vibe of it you know it wasn't i'm not going to take responsibility for these awesome things that i've done it's that you know i've been a criminal and i'm going to go to prison and that's you know i'm just going to sort of step yeah. up so very very different vibe but yeah, amazing. They played out at the same time. Mm. You know, they'd have been filming at the same time. Oh, it's, it's it, I find it absolutely yeah. fascinating. Um, but Dent's plan is absolutely true because the Joker is like, right, great, got him, fantastic, delighted. And um, Dent's been arrested, as we know, and he's put in this SWAT van and we've got this incredible, incredible chase and fight scene. And Jenks, you were saying before that um, Christopher Nolan does not like using mm. CGI. And here, very, very famously, is an example of him not yep. using CGI and doing an actual physical effect. Because we've got this whole thing where they're, um, you know, he's, they're, they're shooting at Dent's van and they're trying to stop it. And the Batmobile rocks up and um, Batman is able to jump the Batmobile into the path of a rocket, uh, which the Joker fires at Harvey Dent's van. Oh, there's some awful lines in this. I didn't yeah, sign there, up for this. Oh, it's just dreadful. Moments, yeah. This is some of the, the worst stuff in the whole film, which is such a shame by these poor like extras yeah. driving the vans who are like, oh my God, I'm going to get a Christopher Nolan script. Oh <laughs> my God, it's the worst thing I've ever read yeah. in my life. Such a shame. Um, but yeah, the Batmobile is destroyed, essentially. The Tumblr is destroyed by this rocket and Batman has to use the Batpod, which is his motorbike. And it's just I, I love awesome. Oh my god! And it literally is two of the wheels of the tumbler, and then a little bit of body yeah. in between. And my god, it's awesome! And the way that it rolls like sideways. Um, Christian Bale was never allowed to ride it, which he says he was gutted about. Mm. But uh, you can understand why. Like again, like all of these things, it was a fully functioning yeah. um, bit of kit. You know, they had like however many of them, five or six of them. But yeah, he was never allowed. He was allowed to be near it and sit on it, obviously, but never allowed to drive it because it was too dangerous. But, oh my God. It's, it's, Pry, did you yeah, like this? It's great they put it in because um, Batman always had his Batmobile, always. And yeah. Robin had a motorbike. And so to me, yeah. it kind of felt like that. It was like an absence of Robin, but then sort of paying homage in a, in a way by having this Batman-styled motorbike. Um, yeah. I mean, but ultimately, it's just badass. All of it. It's just it's so yeah. cool, and a really cool way of get of giving him extra kit yeah. as well. Because like it would have been really easy to be like, oh, the Batcave, look what we've got, all this stuff. But no, in this instance, he he only uses it because he has to because the tumbler has been destroyed. Mm, I love that. Yeah, oh, so incredibly cool. And um, this is where we get this stunt, which uh, 
is very famous for several reasons. And you assume it's CGI because the Joker has got this like 18 wheeler truck, which Batman stops by using cables and the whole thing flips end over end and crashes down. And they literally did it with a CO2 cannon. And you can see it on the film. Like they didn't even CGI out the, um, the Mm. carbon dioxide. You could see this massive puff of, of smoke underneath it. And the whole thing gets flipped up in the air. It's uh, what a spectacle, right? It makes you love it even more because it is real. Yeah. Yeah. They actually did that. They, they actually um, um, tried to mirror that same stunt in Civil War in the beginning. I don't know if you remember um, with the, oh, yeah. uh, the garbage disposal truck oh, yeah, that is yeah. flipped over in the same way. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. done with the same technique and um, I imagine inspired by it. And so I always think of that sort of connection because it's the exact same flip. Mm. And it's so cool when it's done for real because you can tell all of it, it, the camera angles, everything, you can tell when it's real and it's so much more impressive, so much more uh, is at stake when you can see something and actually yeah. know have, that have it's you, happening. It's like, have wow. you guys seen A Quiet Place 2? No. No, it's not another, yet. Another film that we haven't seen. Have you not? Oh, you need to see it. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a big scene uh, at the start, which, uh, have you seen the first one? No. So yeah. it, it, have you not seen a quiet place? So. Oh, probably. Oh, probably should watch, watch it. Watch it. Um, it's awesome. But there's a there's a big scene, and it's all uh, a sing, single camera uh, scene at the start of uh, a quiet place too, and it's about five minutes long, and it's about what happened before the first film, how the alien invasion okay. happened, all this kind of stuff. But it's all from just one camera perspective, and everything in it is completely there's no visual effects or no cgi obviously the visual effects but there's no cgi in it or anything like that everything is using wires um everything right like all the glass is just sugar glass all of these things the only thing that's the only thing Delicious. that's cgi'd is the mirror not mirror the uh, shadow of the aliens and some of the aliens in the background that's the only thing that's cgi'd and there's cars being flipped right there's buildings being blown up all of this thing there's so much stuff being smashed and there's a there's a little uh scene not scene little video of John Krasinski talking about every single thing that had been wired cars that had been uh triggered underneath for them to flip and everything and it's all completely real and then when you watch it you're like oh my god this a big 4 minute scene with a single camera is capturing all of this going on and there's hundreds of people in the scene and there's so many people triggering each individual movement in the scene it's incredible and mm. to imagine that they did the exact same thing in this that i mean the rehearsal alone like yeah how, how do, what must they have yeah. done to rehearse how it? Did, pirate studios i think oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah probably. very reasonable but like how how do you rehearse all of these things like what 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 do you do <laughs> i suppose you can't you can't like how many of those yeah. things have they got? How much does it cost to do it? They can't do that many. They must just plan it out and then be like, "Well, we're going to do it. If we need to do it again, we will." Yeah. But, so I imagine what everything's wired, you know, everything's triggered. It's like in uh, Inception, you know, when everything's going upside down and Tom, and then oh, you yeah. actually see that 
everything's going upside down. <laughs> you see, like the massive rig that Tom Hardy is in. <laughs> oh, he's got a big <laughs> rig. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> what a rig he's got! But, like the massive rig that they're working in and stuff. <laughs> like it's incredible the amount of rehearsal, the amount of money. That must have cost for them to go, right, okay, you're going to be upside down in three, two, okay, now you're just going to be uh, like sideways to the camera. And it's all forced perspective as well because the camera's going the opposite way. <laughs> like They're using the force. He's got his package out. Everything's going well. It, like it, It's incredible that Chris Nolan goes, yeah, we're only doing... Like, Interstellar as well. Oh, that's exactly the same. They went to space. <laughs> they, they didn't. No, no, no need. Only Shatner does I that. I love that he's in space. Isn't it amazing? He's looking down <sighs> well on deserved. It's amazing. Morally as well. Oh, Back where he belongs. He's the one person that actually deserves to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, a big statement. It's true. It's true. Right. That Fair man enough. has saved this planet and this galaxy okay. so many times. There's documentaries on him. There's, there's tons. You can find it online. Yeah. There's loads. The series oh, Ser- of him and his mates. Yes. Go on, Chris, mate. What are you talking about? Anyway, I'm talking about Batman, not bloody oh, Shatner. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've had this awesome flip. It's awesome. Absolutely. F- like one of the most phenomenal rad. stunts you've ever seen. Um, and now we get the um, a moment of massive character, right? Which is the Joker walking towards the Batpod, which is what the motorbike's called. And all he's saying is, hit me, come on, hit me. And he's firing his machine gun. And basically, he wants Batman to kill him. At this point, like, if if Batman kills him at this point, the Joker Mm -hmm. is one in his mind. He's like, this is all I, this is what I need. Because I will have beaten him because he'll have broken his rule. And, like, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing because in many ways, the right thing to do is to kill the Joker. And that's, like, the classic hero thing to do. But Batman is not allowed to do that by his own rules. He's not allowed mm-hmm. to kill him. And it, the tension builds and builds and builds and Batman and uh, he's flying along on this Batpod. It's an incredibly powerful machine. And the Joker is like desperate for him to kill him. And instead Batman like d- dodges him and loses control, smashes into a wall, knocks himself out. And the Joker's like, I mean, I've won anyway because now yeah. I've got the Batman. So he's going to, he's just, he's outthought him. He's outmaneuvered him. It's just amazing. And, um, do you remember the bat suit is protected by, like it, it causes an electric shock to one of the Joker's thugs who tries to take yeah. off the the helmet, uh, and the Joker takes out his horrible knife, his little switchblade thing, and uh, we hear this voice from beyond the grave saying, "Drop it!" And there's this fabulous line which the Joker is like, oh, "Just, just give me a second, because he's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm so close. Please, just give me one moment, just to look who's underneath this mask." Um, and of course, it's Gordon, Gordon, who we saw as being shot when he was protecting the man and uh, essentially faked his own death. And it's as though they've outmaneuvered the Joker. So they seem to have won at this point and they take the Joker away and they um, put him in custody and everything seems to be going really, really well. Do you remember this famous bit about uh, this famous bit of improv that uh, Heath Ledger did while he was in the prison cell when they, uh, when Gordon gets promoted to commissioner, because of course, Commissioner Loeb is, is dead and buried and the mayor promotes Gordon and uh, the Joker does that creepy clap. Mm, yeah. Do you remember that? Does that big clap really like far forward. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and it, yeah, that was like, an improvised little like moment. This. He's like lean forward, just like. 
yeah, yeah. looking from underneath his eyebrow. Exactly, yeah. In a very, very creepy way, seemingly still in complete control yeah. of the situation, which is very, very creepy. Uh, and yeah, that was a nice little bit of improv which stayed in, which I, I really like. And we move on to this, oh my God, another iconic scene, which is the interrogation scene of the Joker, right? Uh, do you remember it's this really dark room and it's Gordon uh, doing the talking initially and then um, the lights suddenly snap on and it's revealed to be Batman, which is just wonderful. And what's the joke? What's, um, what's Gordon's line? He says, hang on, I've got it right here. Oh yeah, here we go. He says, uh, if we're going to play games, I'm going to need a cup of coffee. And the Joker says, the good cup, bad cup routine? Not exactly. And it's just Batman behind him. And again, it's another jump yeah. jump scare, right? Because we weren't expecting anyone to be there. The lights suddenly flash on and there's this horrible dark figure and he smashes the Joker's face uh, into the yeah. desk. And Batman is utterly brutal mm. in this. Absolutely brutal. But this is like, this is their big showdown and this is their big... Um, this is the Joker's big revealing of his plan. And he doesn't really have a plan, but like he wanted to see what Batman would do. And he says, you let five people die and then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. And he's hidden away Dent at this point. He's managed to capture him. And that's that's the, the interrogation is to try and find out the location of Dent. And all Batman has got is his strength. And the Joker literally says that... Uh, there's, there's nothing that you can do to touch like you've got nothing at all um nothing to threaten me with nothing to do with all your strength and um batman is going absolutely mad and he do you remember he blocks the door yeah. with that chair and they're trying to get inside to stop him because like initially gordon is like he's in control it's all good and obviously gordon's neck is on the line here because he's just been made a uh commissioner and he's let this vigilante in to do the interrogation instead of, like, the police. It's just absolutely crackers. Um, and the Joker is like, he lays out his whole plan, which is just to make Batman break his rules so that the Joker can win. And uh, he reveals that he's also got uh, Katie Holmes, Maggie Gyllenhaal, as well as Harvey Dent. He's taken both of them. And this is when Batman absolutely loses his mind. And he screams, where are they? Where are they? And the Joker says, I'm going to tell you exactly where they are because it's already too late. You can't say both of them. You have to choose one of them. You have to either choose your um, lost love or the district attorney. It's absolutely wonderful. And he literally gives them the address and Batman storms out of there. And uh, he, Gordon is like, oh, which one are you going to go and get? And Batman is like, well, I'm going to go and get um, Rachel and you go and get Harvey Dent. And of course... Of course, it's just wonderful that the Joker has given him mm. the other address. So he's he goes and gets Harvey and he doesn't mean to at all. Oh, beautifully, beautifully done. Um, And yeah, Harvey and Rachel can talk to each other and they're both uh, surrounded by all this fuel, these like these metal mm. barrels, right? So it's incredibly... It, it, the way that the Joker outmaneuvers Batman, and he's right, Batman is like, for being the world's greatest detective and all this, which he's not really in these films, he has been completely outmaneuvered by the Joker mm. here. Like, it's incredibly impressive. And it, it speaks to sort of the simplicity of the character, because he's sort of like a blunt weapon, yeah. right? Batman, in this instance. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'll always remember this scene for the brutality that Batman shows. And it's like, uh, yeah, fine, he doesn't, like, his rule is that he's never going to kill. But, I mean, he's 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 bending, bending, um, bending the rules mm. all over the place, right? Even if he's not breaking them by doing this incredibly brutal interrogation. Mm. What did you boys think? Again, another iconic scene. Um, it yeah, It really right. is edge of the seat kind of stuff. And we now have our first crossroads with this film as well, where Batman has to make a choice. So he thinks anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I love the way that he is, as you say, bending the rules, his own rule to, uh, for a good cause in his mind, he still thinks that he's doing the right thing by bending these rules, but he's so close to the edge and mm. that's what the joke yeah. is doing to him. That's what he wanted to do. And and so yeah. he kind of has almost won anyway because he, he's brought yeah. Batman to his level, ultimately. Mad. It's amazing. Who is this guy that is yeah. able to do this? That has come out of absolutely nowhere, has a, like he's risen to the top of the mob mm. pile and the police can't do anything about him. Batman is completely defeated by him. It's it's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I'm Jenks, exactly what do you reckon? Same. I think it's it's the fact that it's so simple that um, Batman can't deal with it. I mean, I, I suppose we have to think of this as his second outing, his second like. Well, obviously, it's his second film, but all he's had before this is Liam Neeson and Killian Murphy, w- one that had a drug, yeah. one that was good at fighting. Whereas this is this is mind games. This is someone that's using his own intelligence against Batman rather than... It's like you said, it, it, it's not about fighting. It's not about the big final fight, fight, showdown or anything like this. This is mind games. And yeah. it shows that Batman isn't about that kind of life. He's about just going out there, kicking the crap out of the bad guys, and then bang, everyone's safe. It's That's how he thinks. And that's how he imagines all of the villains think. And then, yeah, here comes this guy that's just wants to play games. Yeah, and seemingly no matter what he does, yeah. Batman is going to lose because the game exactly, is sort of yeah. against him. Like if if he kills the yeah. Joker, he's lost. Um, if he you know forces him to survive, the Joker's already won because he's he's outmaneuvered him at every turn. It's just incredible, and we've seen um, Rachel and Harvey Dent talking to each other and like trying to reassure each other. Uh, as I said, the Joker switched the locations, which is just again subverting expectations all the time. It's just amazing. Like it happens again and again in this film. Um, we see that Batman is got to where harvey is and this is when harvey douses his the is it the left side of yeah. his face with um gasoline and it's because he it's does just, that amazing turn yeah. that little head turn where it's just like oh my god your face is a bit yeah. buggered up absolutely yeah and we see um the buildings yeah. explode at the same time right and uh yeah, we, I think we do see Harvey on fire, don't we? And Batman gets to him and he's able to put it out. Yeah, because he's, he's yeah, tied Rachel, to that chair and Rachel, he's trying to get out and he falls yeah. over on his side. In the, yeah, and they have the angle of the, the, the shot, angle, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And so you're seeing him with half his face in this um, flammable yeah. liquid. Oh, yeah. And they, they turn the camera so it's uh, straight on with him. Amazing stuff. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, it's mm. absolutely fantastic. So Batman is able to save his life, but obviously he's horrendously disfigured mm. by this. And Gordon doesn't get to Rachel in time, and Rachel dies from the Joker's twisted yeah. mm. games. It's incredible stuff. A re- I, I mean, you know, we we were obviously introduced to her in the first film, and you would assume that she would be a yeah, mainstay. But- and that she wouldn't it's be like killed off. Lois Lane dying, Pepper Potts dying, you know, it's like yeah. a huge thing. Exactly, yeah. It's his childhood yeah. love is killed off by yeah, this yeah. madman. My God, it's just incredible. Um, and yeah, the Joker uh, manages to escape. And do you remember what he says to this, this um, to his guard? He says, you know why I use a knife? Guns are too quick. You don't get to savor all the little emotions. In their last moments, people show you who they really are. So in a way... I knew your friends better than you ever did. Would you like to know which of them were really cowards? Mm, It's just horrendous. Again, mind games, mind games. And he manages to, um, to escape. Now, Rachel gave Alfred uh, a note for Bruce. Do you remember? And he hides it away at this point. Um, because Bruce is obviously so incredibly upset Mm -hmm. with what's gone on. Uh, and yeah, she, the, the letter said that she was going to marry Harvey and she couldn't wait for him anymore. And Bruce is like, because he doesn't read the letter, he's like, she would have, she would have waited for me. So he, it's Alfred's decision yeah. to let him live with the lie rather than tell him the horrible truth. Yeah. Again, very um, mature sort of decision mm. in a weird sort of way. Like the truth isn't the solution in that, in that mm. instance. It's better to live with the lie. Goodness me. But yeah, now we're introduced to Two-Face instead of Harvey Dent. And we, yeah, Gordon comes in and sees him. And he's, I mean, he's so incredibly angry with what's gone on with with Gordon. Like, he seems to be sort of twisted, but he's also, I don't know, like something obviously has happened to him. Um, Like, he's driven mad. Essentially, that's what's going on. He's driven mad by his grief and the loss of Rachel. And he he blames everyone like he blames everyone else. He blames the Joker. He blames Batman. He blames the new Commissioner Gordon. And he refused to have any skin grafts. And he refused to have any painkillers. So, of course, he's going absolutely crackers. And it's revealed that um, the police always had a nickname for Harvey Dent, which was Mm. Two-Face, all the way through. And it didn't mean... Uh, obviously yeah. the villain that we know uh, and who is suddenly appearing it's because he was not the white knight that everyone thought um, but yeah now all of a sudden we're introduced to this this is um, obviously this is a moment of CGI yeah. and it had to be a moment of CGI because we've seen um, the Tommy Lee Jones version which is uh, you know I mean it's absolutely fine and it's like quite gothic and all that and it suited that film but you couldn't have had anything no, like that in this film could you? And what did you think oh, of the CGI gave me, here? <laughs> gave me nightmares yeah. for years. This did really, it really I worked was on the you. The fact that you could see the tendons in here and you could see the teeth coming through is yeah, just like skeleton like. And oh my mm. god, I, I, yeah, I believed it. Maybe it, I don't know if I watched it now that it would be as believable. I don't know, but f- for me, when I first saw yeah. it, absolutely, I was completely hook, line, and sinkered with it. it. It was great. Do you believe it, Chris? Yeah, no, I do. I do and I did. I, I think you definitely notice that it's CGI, considering we've not had any CGI, yeah. you know? It's the only bit. And also you're a bit like, well, I mean, it's not, obviously it's not prosthetics because there's less of his face there mm-hmm. than there normally would be, you know, and you can't do that. 
But I think uh, it, I think it's all right to give yeah. a little bit of a bit of leeway. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and it's worth mm. it for the effect because the well, effect like is. Like I said, it's that slow. Whereas laying on bed and on uh, and he's looking yeah. straight to that side, and you think he's just in pain and stuff like that, and feeling crap, and then he just turns his yeah. head and you see all of it, and you're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And you ima- then you think about what Gordon said about not having skin grafts and yeah. not having any pain relief. My God, what must it feel yeah. like? Oh, absolutely shocking yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, the Joker has uh, escaped from custody, of course, and he burns Mr. Lau on top of all the money. Yeah. Do you remember that? He gets all of the money from the mob, piles it all up, sets fire to it and burns like Mr. Lau on top of it. Uh, and he says... Um, a couple of cracking lines which is the city deserves a better class of criminal and i'm going to give it to them and he also says it's not about the money it's a sending a message mm, amazing so good but um sorry price just said so good so oh, good mate God, so good <laughs> so many good lines um and he makes this declaration that he's going to start blowing up hospitals basically uh because, oh yeah, that's right, because Coleman Reese, who is one of Wayne Enterprise's um, employees, says that he's going to reveal who Batman is. And he's like, unless someone kills Coleman Reese, I'm going to blow up hospitals. And then he goes to see Harvey Dent, disguised as a nurse, he looks mm-hmm. beautiful. And um, Dent is convinced by him to take revenge on the establishment and on Gordon and on Batman and all these people. And Dent does like the first toss of his newly scarred yeah. coin. And although we don't actually see the result, presumably the Joker, like he came out on the good side, of course yeah. he did, he must have done. And this is where we get that moment, which we talked about earlier, Jenks, when the Joker is in this yeah. nurse's outfit and he's walking away from the hospital and he presses the button, uh, the remote detonator on this uh, bomb. And the bit of trivia for a long time was that it it wasn't supposed to, no, that it, it wasn't supposed to happen this way, that it was uh, a mistake and that he just reacted in the moment. I, that's now been debunked and it was actually rehearsed to be this way. But it's still an awesome, awesome moment because the bomb doesn't go off straight away and the Joker is like, what the hell's going on here? And presses yeah. a whole bunch more. And this is, again, a real but that's physical the, that's effect. The it, it, like Heath Ledger must have reacted naturally to it because they only did this once. Oh, yeah, because they were literally yeah. destroying a building. So, like, wow. when he did turn around, he must have gone... Because I think for a while, this was the biggest, um, like, explosion that's ever been on, on screen. Yeah. So that must have... No it matter how a character you are, you must go... Well, like he does, he, like, turns around and kind of jumps. It's just like, Jesus. I'm, I'm just yeah. thinking, imagine that stress of getting it right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, can you imagine? Ah, just like, listen, you got one take, okay? Because we're literally spending millions of pounds to blow up this building behind you. Mm. Don't corpse, don't do anything, don't mess up. Just yeah. like, do what we ask you to do. It'd be like... It's like in Only Fools and Horses with the chandelier scene. I was literally just thinking that. It's Nick Lindhurst and yeah. that chandelier. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we've spent all of the budget on this. If you laugh, the show yeah. is cancelled because we can't afford to do it again. And Isn't then Nick Lindhurst is just standing up there and as they're doing the scene, the director just starts laughing in the background and can see his yeah. shoulders. And he says he stuffs his handkerchief yeah. into his mouth, doesn't he? 
that's just a kinky thing though like you just yeah, something up yeah it's just like oh how can i make the situation better <laughs> but yeah like i mean when things hang on a thread like that i don't want to be on the end of that thread no no absolutely. sir but yeah how must they have rehearsed it there must have been like there's going to be a yeah. delay of a certain amount of time we can't tell you exactly how long it's going to be and then it's all going to explode wow and you like i'm sure even i don't know if i if i were him as an actor i'd be like i don't know what it's going to be like to yeah, watch it happen exactly. in the moment it's going to be so weird because you don't see things like that happen I, I mean, you know, like the uh, building and then to have to respond to it in, yeah. in real time. Yeah. I mean, it's probably much louder Amazing. than you could ever imagine. So that reaction must be quite real. You, you, as well. you must have been yeah. the same prior um, with the plane crash in Buddy. It was. I, um, you never know <laughs> what it's going to be like a plane crash. You've only got one chance to do it every night. Yeah. And yeah, you have to just deliver it in the moment. And um you know, that's when the awards start coming in. Yeah, though. yeah, but you know, we don't do no, it. For no, awards. no. I mean, that, that's the know. thing. Every night we used to stand there, all of us, and and we'd hear the, or we wouldn't hear the crash, but we'd imagine hearing the crash, mm. and hearing yeah. the screams, and yeah. uh, good times. And then we'd have to, we'd have <laughs> to give that emotional response, and we would, and, and yeah. we did, we delivered. And if we didn't do that, that's it. Say goodbye. Only, only fools. We had to reimburse yeah. the tickets, didn't you? Weird rule. If we didn't, then uh, that's uh, the end of only fools. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't no budget yeah, to do that again. Not at all. Tell you that much. Not one penny. That's right. <sighs> yes. Anyway, uh, so Harvey Dent is on the loose. He's tracking down the mobsters. He's uh, tossing his coin, you know, the way he does, and he's uh, deciding whether they live or die. Greg, really, he's really turned at this point. Yeah. He's not the beautiful, you know, by the book lawyer anymore. He's he's got a bit crackers, but that's fine. Uh, the Joker is also the king of the castle, as we know, and he's declared that anyone who's left in Gotham at the end of the day, like when the night falls, will be under his command, under his power, subject to his rule. Everyone tries to leave because they don't know where he is. They can't stop him. Uh, and the Joker has said that. Oh, by the way, all the bridges and the roads have been wired to explode. There are these two ferries which are working their way across. Um, and one has got a load of prisoners on it, uh, which they're trying to evacuate from the prison because they think that it will be, you know, they'll be like easy uh, soldiers for the Joker to get his hands on. And the other has got just regular people on. And um, Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman, has discovered that Bruce has expanded on the sonar technology that they used in Hong Kong that so that he can essentially listen in and get a map, a live map of where everyone is and exactly what's happening in uh, Gotham just by using people's cell phones. Incredibly clever. But Lucius is like, I completely disagree with this. We shouldn't be doing it. But I do see that it's essential in this situation because we need to find out where the man is. And, uh, you know, it's absolutely fine for now. But if you don't destroy the, the machine, I'm gone. It's the last time you're going to get Morgan Freeman. And obviously we've just lost Maggie Gyllenhaal. So it's like, Come on, we need to keep the cast together. So Bruce is like, yeah, whatever, it's going to be fine. Um, then we get another fascinating bit where on these two ferries, the Joker reveals that he's planted explosives and the controls for uh, each bomb is on the opposing vessel. Mm -hmm. So one boat can destroy the other one, essentially. But if one of them uh, doesn't decide to kill the others, they'll both be killed. 
it's a, it's like it's an amazing like conundrum that they're put up um that they're put under and again everyone in the movie theater no matter where you are no matter how old you are is thinking what would you do in it's that situation exactly that, yeah isn't that incredible and one is full of prisoners who are seen as you know lesser members of society and one is full of normal law abiding citizens and what is the solution to that problem there isn't one at all mm. Isn't it? But isn't that absolutely fascinating? Mm. That this this is, you know, in a in a film full of fascinating, like moral dilemmas and quandaries. It's, 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 this is the best it's, one of all of psycho- them. No, it's psychology. At the end of the day, it's it, one hundred and one. Yeah, it's what do you expect to happen? And again, it's putting yourself in that position and thinking: Are you, are are you the person that you think that you would be, or would you actually be driven to do? something else again this is why squid game was taken off so well because it's based on all of this yeah isn't that interesting that this we're doing this at this yeah, time that is very good good stuff hmm. good 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 stuff probably what do you reckon to this one i bloom and love it i'm not gonna lie <laughs> there he is he's back there he is he's back <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, great. It's yeah, no. another moment. Yeah, no, it's another moment of high intensity, edge of the seat stuff, which as if we haven't already had enough. Um, but now it's involving a lot more people. The stakes are being raised once again. Mm. Really interesting. Yeah. Love it. And and that, do you remember that one guy is like, oh yeah, I'm going to make the decision for us and I'm going to mm. uh, kill the prisoners. And then he can't do it and he backs down. And then is it on the other ship, on the prison ship, someone else is like, well, oh, no, it's the, it's that um, incredibly threatening looking prisoner. The massive guy uh, steps up and grabs the detonator from uh, one of the guards. And it's like, if you haven't got the balls to make the decision, I'm going to do it. And he just chucks it over the side. Yeah. And again, we all expect him to be the guy because he looks like a real like monster of a guy. Mm. We expect him to be the guy who's going to pull the trigger. But he's the one who's like, nope, we're not doing anything like this. Mm. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's so absolutely. good. What an amazing scene. At the end of all of these amazing scenes, you know. Um, meanwhile, they've managed to track down the Joker, which is good. He's on like a building site somewhere, which is, you know, nice place to be. And um, Batman tracks him down there and the Joker has disguised his henchmen as hostages and the hostages are the henchmen. Like they've got guns taped to their hands and it's it's all madness. Like he's just trying to you know, really confuse the issue. It's all confusing enough as it is, but it's crackers. And um, eventually the Batman reaches the Joker who's right at the top. He sends dogs at Batman. Batman is now able to deal with dogs. So that's good. Like, it's not an issue anymore. It's the big thing that um, we wanted to know in this film, to be honest. Yeah. Did he Did he solve the dog problem? Oh, we did, he did. He, did. <laughs> he really did, you know. Come on. Uh, and the... Essentially, the the Joker eventually manages to subdue Batman because he like traps him under the steel column, and he forces him because they can see the two ferries from where they are. This vantage yeah. point forces him to watch because he is convinced that one of the two ships is going to destroy the other, and neither does. And Batman's line uh, is, "What were you trying to prove? That deep down everyone's as ugly as you." And he's flapping around all over the. Oh no, this. This is a weird bit because Batman's little head, now he can turn his head, he's turning his head all over the place and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you're alone. 
<laughs> I'll never forget that. It's bizarre. It's like he's got like a cramp or something, and he's like trying to get it out. Well, I mean, it's really bizarre. Wouldn't you have a cramp from sixty years of being in a cow that you can't move your head? Well, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong, you know. Uh, but yeah, the the Joker is like, Ugh, it doesn't matter at all. I'm going to blow him up anyway. I don't give a damn. Batman manages to stop him, and he he puts the um those horrible spikes out from his gauntlet, and he uh throws him off the the building and he manages to he doesn't kill him because obviously that's batman's yeah. thing and he shoots him with a scrapple gun and he he just leaves him hanging there so the police can come and grab him uh and the joker's like well it doesn't matter anyway because i've managed to turn harvey dent he's now on my side he's no longer the white knight that you knew and um he's gonna you know finish the job that i started but very importantly the joker is left alive because the joker was going to be in the dark yeah. knight rises mm. That was all part of the plan. And, uh, of course, he couldn't for tragic reasons. But, you know, there's no no killing of the Joker I think that's here. even better, though. It just leaves it open to the imagination of what, where is Heath Ledger's Joker now? What's he, what's he up yeah, to? Yeah, presumably in Arkham. I imagine he's in yeah. the asylum because that's what, I mean, in the games and in the, in the comics and animate, like, he's, he's in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. But I don't think he was going to be the lead in Dark Knight Rises, as in like the lead no. villain. He was just going to be released from Arkham. Mm. So I can't imagine Heath Ledger's Joker playing second fiddle to anyone. Mm. So I would have been really interested in how that played out. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, who knows where they were going to go, though? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's just impossible to yeah. tell, isn't it? Impossible to speculate. They wouldn't even have been writing yeah. it at that point, would they? Mm. They'd just have been finishing this one off. Such a shame. Um, meanwhile, Two-Face, who is the last villain left, uh, left on the loose, has managed to get hold of Gordon's family, uh, and he has taken them to the building where Rachel died, because he thinks this is, you know, poetic, it's the place where he's going to kill them, because that's where his family died, that's what he says, and, uh, Gordon manages to track them down, and he gets there, and Dent decides to kill Gordon's son. And it's absolutely tragic. And at this point, I have to say, we, as an audience, have no idea who can live yeah. and who can die. Like, I think, I think anyone can die at this point. Rachel has died. It's unimaginable that she has died in this horrible, brutal way. Um, there's been so much unexpected death in this film, so much brutal death, that I was like, well, I think he might just do it, you know, and this might be what finally cements Two-Face yeah. as a villain. It's just dreadful. Um, and he essentially Batman is the one who turns up and tries to reason with Two-Face and he says you know uh, Gordon's family aren't responsible for this you need to take responsibility yourself and point the gun at the people who really are responsible and he includes himself in that and Gordon as well and it comes down to Harvey's classic 50-50 uh, coin flip and Batman gets a bad flip, and so he gets shot in the stomach. Not great. He decides his own fate. He gets uh, a good outcome, which is delightful. And he's gonna. He still wants to kill Gordon's son as his punishment, rather than killing Gordon himself, because it would be far more yeah. punishing to, you know, not just end Gordon, but to make him live with the fact that his son has been killed because of his actions. And we never actually find out what the the son's fate is, because Batman was shot in the stomach, as we know, but he did have his Kevlar. And he's able to tackle him over the side of the building. And uh, he 
kills Two-Face. And it's an interesting moment because, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't trying mm. to kill him. He doesn't actively kill him. He just, essentially, he breaks his neck from the fall. But Batman is literally responsible because he was the one who tackled him over the side. Mm. So I don't know. Um, and we do eventually see that the coin lands on the good side. So the sun would have survived yeah. anyway. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Just as a little, uh, it's the opposite of the Joker card, right? We, uh, we're given that bit of information. Mm. But that's a, that's very, a very interesting. Moment, that's a lovely moment. Yeah, it is. And it's even more yeah. brutal. It's like, well, in a way that, you know, even though Two-Face seemingly was irredeemable by this point, he essentially died yeah. for nothing. Yeah. Which is just, yeah. There we go, there we go. It's tough stuff. And we reach the very, very final scene of the film, boys, which is Two-Face dead and Batman and uh, Commissioner Gordon deciding that the Joker would win and would have won if people find out that Dent was corrupted and that he went mad because they would lose the hope of having this white knight figure. And Batman convinces Gordon to give the briefing that it was Batman who committed all of these murders and that Harvey Dent did absolutely nothing. And, you know, he he just died as a hero, essentially, and he remains the White Knight and he gives the city hope. And Batman says, I'm whatever Gotham needs me to be. And uh, it's, it's a very... Um, selfless act that batman performs here incredibly Mm. selfless because he literally becomes the enemy and gordon destroys the bat signal because obviously batman is now in the eyes of the law a murderer and a complete he's not even a vigilante he's just a criminal now out now criminal and they issue this manhunt to find him uh alfred burns the note that rachel left so he he, you know was possibly going to give it to bruce in the future Mm. and now burns it completely uh, Lucius enters a, a, destruct, uh, a self-destruct code into the sonar vision machine this awesome looking computer and he is unaware that this is the code but Bruce was like oh yeah put this in at the end and you know it'll do whatever and Lucius is like oh wonderful he's not corrupted Batman is still he's on the side of good and Gotham has this hero's funeral for Harvey Dent after his seeming death at the hands of the mm-hmm. Joker and um it's Gordon's son who is like, I don't understand why Why is Batman now the enemy? Why must he be hunted? And Gordon's last line and the last line of the film is, um, he says, because he can take it, because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. That's the title of the film. And then it goes, da, 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 da thrilling score i mean although we have literally one note (laughs) although we have that slightly cheesy line at the end i love it yeah i think it's it's completely warranted fine yeah they've earned that absolutely yeah well that's it boys that is the dark knight (sighs) it's been a ride it really has been a roller coaster i'm sorry i I took a while rolling going through it but my god one of my favorite films i think it deserved it to be honest if you're listening right now and you've stuck with us Wowzer! I completely forgot that people listen to this, and uh, if you do, not anymore. Not yeah, that's true. I hope you've uh, had a great ride with us. Great ride, but wow, what a movie! What a movie! What a movie! I mean, this has had such a massive impact on pop culture. Surely, this is the most significant 
superhero film. Mm-hmm. May, I, I don't know. I mean, it's at the same time as Iron it's, Man. That's I mean, thing. I'd say they're on the same level. For It's the most significant year for superhero oh, films. God, yeah. Mm. But I think By a country this mile. film and Iron Man put together because it tells not only an incredible story with incredible actors, incredible directors and all this kind of stuff, but, you know, it it's like Iron Man is about someone that, you know, is about an actor that was lost and then found himself and this film yeah. is about an actor that hit his peak and then left us and it's just like, wow, what yeah, incredible moments in time to be put to be captured in one film. And yeah, and, and of all genre, they're bloody comics, comic book films. And yeah. it's it's incredible that now this these two films had such a massive impact because it 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 did especially on like this on DC gave such hope. I mean, you you can argue 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 <laughs> argue with any MCU fan about Infinity War and stuff like that, and you know all of these all of these films. But you can never ever not one Marvel fan will ever turn around and go the Dark Knight trilogy is rubbish. It's impossible yeah. to do it. You can't do it. It's like Lord of the Rings. You just cannot insult it. There's no possible way. And that's it's true. an incredible moment that's led and captained by this film with just, I mean, such a good cast, such a good script, such an incredible director. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean... It's champagne everything. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And the fact that we were alive to actually see this impact and to grow up with this impact on cinema yeah. and to experience the the you know the predecessors to this yeah. film and my the, my god the oh, imagine this next to batman and robin exactly mm. it's it's just chalk and cheese so, yeah. and it's the same characters mm. i find it incredible i mean this is mm. the equivalent to something like you know the beatles first coming out and and, and doing like all it's <laughs> not what i mean but like right. the Beatles first coming to America, that hysteria, that that this mm. and Iron Man first coming into films, the the massive hysteria that was over both of these films, and then yeah. the the loss of Heath Ledger and the world just going, oh my god, watching this kind of goodbye in a film, it's, it's, it was just massive. And of course, Heath Ledger received the Academy Award he, for playing he the did Joker win the Oscar posthumously. To, Isn't that to amazing? Which, um, I remember a couple of people saying, oh, it's just because he died. And it's just like, ugh. just look at the performance. Just yeah, look absolutely. at this. Of course he should have won the bloody Oscar. Yeah, he mm. probably wouldn't have done, to be yeah, fair. That's true. He probably he would have deserved it, and yet he probably would yeah. not have got it because there was such a stigma against comic book films. Mm-hmm. But it really woke up a lot yeah. of people to being like, oh, actually, his performance in this is absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like, off the... Off the charts. Mm. I don't know who his competitors were, to be fair, with um, Academy Awards on that day, on that year, rather. Let's have a look. Um, I mean, if you lost when, against Heath Ledger for this. Also, actually. You're I, not yeah. going to turn around and moan, I. <laughs> Might be interesting no. while you're there to get the uh, the old scores, the IMDb and all that. Oh, I I've, thought you'd I've do got, that, mate. You I've love got them, eh? Oh, I've got them. Don't you worry, lads. Uh. Robert Downey Jr. was up for Best Supporting Actor. In what? Tropic Thunder. No. 
No. Wow. See, that's how much the times have changed right there. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, though, actually, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in Tropic Thunder did amaze people. I do, I do yeah, think that performance yet, is so important. Had he, had he beaten Heath Ledger, imagine. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It would have been madness. We'd, also, Josh Brolin uh, in Milk. Oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Doubt, Michael Shannon in Revolutionary Road. To be oh fair, all my excellent things. But God, what a great lineup! Not as, but not as iconic as yeah, Heath Ledger. Mm. I mean, right? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I mean, every one of them is iconic in each of their films for their own reasons. Like, yeah. that's a great lineup. It's a oh, phenomenal. That's such a good lineup. And any one of them, you'd be like, yes, fair dues. Yeah, absolutely. Right, should we kick off our dinkles and then I'll and then I'll go then into the older uh, the scores oh, yeah. after. Yeah. Um, what have we got then? I mean <laughs> I think we know what we're all about to do here. We know what we're gonna do, but I'll uh, I'll go to uh I'm gonna go myself first. <sighs> Selfish. Hey. Subvert the expectation people. Hey. There it is. He's never done it before. And it rhymes. I am going to go straight in with five dinkles here. There, there is no way this could be any less. If, it, if we could have a meter that goes higher, I would go higher. But, I've, you know, we've got to obey the laws of the geeks. But you have to applaud that. 100% mm-hmm. five dinkles there, there. There's no explanation needed. I shall now move on to Mr. Weeks. Uh, yeah, for me, it's five dinkles, and I'm chucking a berry in there Can't as well. do that! <laughs> you can, I've done it before, I did it on the WandaVision finale. Yes, true. And look what happened after that. Oh, what do you think now, Batman's, Batman's already done, it's Shut over, up! <laughs> <laughs> No, that's what it's got to be. This, honestly, this is, yeah, one of my favourite films yeah. ever. I think it's one of the best films of all time. I think it's seismic shift yeah. in the movie world. I say no more. That's Mr. Me. Pryor. Yeah, this one didn't really work with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the Hobbit was know. the Hobbit just had more. Ho- Hobbit had <laughs> way it gave me more. So where was the Hobbit five? So this has got to be a one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God, God, no, no, no. This is clearly a five. Big fives. It's the big five. It's the big five. My favorite band. It is brilliant. <laughs> um. There is nothing really more that we can say than what we've already That's covered. That's the thing, it's, really, is that how how can you say more about this? I mean, we just spent three hours doing yeah. that, so I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. It's it's out of this world. Let me uh, let me tell you where. Um, so give us the, IMDb the professional score. IMDb right now is. Oh, wait, uh, do we guess or not? I mean, I mean, you can have have a guess at the IMDb. I'm going to say eight point nine. Ben? I'm going to say 9.5. Okay. Well, there's nothing on IMDb that has ever got higher than a 9.2. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm going to have to give this one to Weeks. This is a 9. Why Why are you giving That's it to Weeks? Amazing, it? Because he was much closer. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, this yeah, is <laughs> the fourth highest rated film ever made. That's in. Incredible. Can you uh, guess what is above it? Shawshank. Okay, where do you think Shawshank is? 
Number one. Oh, yeah. And what's uh, number two and number three? This has changed recently as well. Oh, has it? Yeah. Because oh. one of these was here, and now another one has moved up as well. Is it like Casablanca? Or Citizen Kane? No. Is it a classic film? Yeah. Well, two, yeah. Two big classic films. What could it be? It's a Wonderful Life? No. I love that film. Oh, great film. Um, uh, Spinal Tap? I mean... <laughs> Dessert. It should be there, yeah. It should be number one, really. Um, number two is The Godfather. Number three is The Godfather oh, Part yeah. Two. Oh, for hey, sake. fair play. Which I, I'd like. I like the Godfather films, but putting them that close together just. I think. I mean, a Godfather Part Two. Yeah, fair enough. But I don't think the the first Godfather should be. Yeah. Number I don't think two. You could call it the second best film ever made. No, I don't agree. <laughs> Shawshank I Redemption. I think that's a universally known thing. That. Yeah. Yeah. That is. The, the greatest uh, Lord of the Rings is coming at seven amazing uh, with Return of the King so, yeah Return of the King and then it's also number ten and that is is it uh, Fellowship 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 absolutely. of the Ring Fellowship of the Ring yeah uh, Pulp Fiction number eight of course um, isn't that amazing Twelve Angry Men at number five Schindler's List at number six um, number nine The Good The Bad and The Ugly Amazing. Like great film. Fight Club at number 11. Strange. Wow. That's bold, isn't it? I don't know about that. Uh, Inception is number 13. Again, interesting. <laughs> great film, but yeah, I'm not sure if it's the 13th best film ever made. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life is coming at number 24. You see, I, I'd say that could be around there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's classic. Good film. Yeah, yeah excellent I think, film. I think a lot of these... There's some here that I think should be a lot higher and some that should be a lot lower. Where's Where's Endgame on that? Uh, That's not on there, mate. Where is Endgame? Too small, wasn't submitted to IMDb. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they do like these indie films. Indie, yeah, it's an art house sort of films. Yeah. yeah. Endgame, Endgame for a while was a lot higher. Then they realised how it was. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Mark up. Avengers Endgame is coming at 76. Oh, yes. that is a bit on. low, isn't it? Come on, uh, yeah, that's put crushing. F- they put Fight Club above that. He's livid. Uh, above that is Aliens. Yeah, fair enough. Great, can't film. argue with that. The Joker is higher than that. The Joker is higher than Endgame. <laughs> that's interesting. He's, he's so angry. Look at him. <laughs> That's, you can't even look at the camera. I mean, the Joker is a great film, but whew, saying that it's higher than Endgame is a is a very different thing. What do you think? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this. Uh, I'm gonna say ninety two. Uh, a Christopher, I think that might be higher with Rotten Tomatoes. You know, ninety six. Do you? It's ninety four. <gasps> Perfectly between us, Pry. Perfectly balanced. Yep. <laughs> Half a biscuit each. Uh, do you want to know what the audience score is? I'd love to. 94. Wow. So there's a little fact here. This is the only film in the top 10 Rotten Tomatoes meter, top 10 films where the audience and the critics agree. How amazing. That which is amazing. Is, which is cool as hell. Cool as hell. Empire Magazine gave this five 94. out of five. That with of course us. they did. <laughs> yeah. Of course they did. 
it's uh, it, those are some interesting scores. I mean, getting a fifteen out of fifteen from the geeks. Hey, fifteen and a half out of fifteen. That doesn't doesn't isn't how it works. It's like saying one hundred and ten percent. That isn't a thing. Well, you can still say it. It's <sighs> a mark of respect. Okay, okay. But the, this is the fourth highest film. Isn't that amazing? All so, these years later as well. Yeah, so far this is the third film out of the top ten that we've done. That's pretty wow. good, isn't it? That's yeah, pretty good to, considering uh, we've not aimed to do that at all. No. On to Schindler's List next. Oh, that's going to be a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, though, that there's three nerdy films mm. in the top ten films ever made. Quite a surprise. Interesting. That's a very good thing. And Tarantino holds number eight. Yeah, he never won one Academy Award. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> For that film. It's because he goes against the man, doesn't he? You know, stick it to the man. That's what he does. That's uh, a really, really cool thing. He does stick it to the man prior. Right, okay, fine. He's, he's a cool guy. I was, I was wondering where yeah, he was so going. Yeah. <laughs> a really, really... That's cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So let, let let's have some uh, final thoughts then. Final what? thoughts. Just done three and a half hours. <laughs> let's add another hour onto this. Let's yeah. Come see on. how we do. Let's see. How we... But I mean, this is the highest ranked film that we've ever done. True. With good reason. And but I want I want to ask just before we leave just before we leave oh, you uh, listeners and just on, mate, yeah. you boys, what's on your mind? Do you agree oh. that it's out of everything that we've done right now, do you... Yes, it's blooming brilliant. No, but okay. do you rank this the highest out of everything that we've done? You know I do. Probably. I mean, taking everything into consideration, probably. It's gone for a strong probably there. <laughs> that, I mean, it's because, like, with, with other films that I rate really high, it's also because of the journey that you're taking along years of building up and this one doesn't have years of journey an unexpected what? journey oh yeah well, i'm talking about the hobbit okay he loves the hobbit <laughs> he's such a fan that's all i've got to say oh okay okay i mean i i'm i may have to go that return of the king for me is a bit i like this more i mean they're only three places away from each other anyway uh, yeah but, i mean i i think i put them in the same bracket like I'm trying to remember what, what else we've that? done an absolute I've uh, got a bracket for him that we've, that we've all scored five <laughs> for downstairs uh, Avengers so I'm not sure if we all did we must have done I don't think Pride he didn't like it One <laughs> Division. One Division finale TV's different though and that you can't yeah oh, yeah. I think um, for Lord of the Rings we must have done must have done all of them five. or did we do the dinkle actually we, we weren't then? dinkling no we weren't no, that was pre-Game of Thrones, so of course we weren't yeah. dinkling. God, it wasn't. what a time. Well, yeah, the we'll Dark go, Ages. We'll go, yeah. we'll go back and dinkle them again. I mean, that's, yeah, obviously, that, they would be five stars. Yeah. Five but, dinkles, yeah. even. Every one of them would be five stars, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there we go, then. So that's what we're uh, against. I, I can't think of any other film. So is it just Avengers that we've gone all five and, for? Maybe Star and Wars that, or Empire? Don't know. Nanny McPhee was up there. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nanny McPhee yeah. 3. That did change the world. Yeah. It did. It was a big film, big film, big film. Everyone looks at teeth differently now. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, 
we are now coming to close this epic adventure that you have joined us on with the dog. His outros are always really weird. (laughs) So it's time for us to bid you... Now we are coming to close of the closing of this close cast. Nobody speaks like this. It's time for us to wave our hands and say goodbye to you and let you go on and enjoy your week until we return next week with another brand spanking new adventure of something that you've already seen. So, so good. I've been AJ Jenks and I've been with Ben Pryor and Chris Wakes. And we will see you next week for another installment of Eight Days a Geek. He didn't say geeks. Didn't that time. Is it geek or geeks? No, it's oh, for geek, God's sake. It's geek. I ain't got nothing but love.